listening to the Legendary Wrestling Obsession Podcast with your hosts, Corey Draper and Jeff Hughes. What a bastard! Didn't know what happened to him there. My word, Anderson can't believe that he's beside himself with anger. And Tully Blanchard is beside himself almost unconscious. Good down-home cheating. Good down-home good down cheating. Sure. Welcome back to another week of the Legendary Wrestling Obsession Podcast. I'm Corey Draper here with Jeff Hughes. I am here, and I've been watching movies in these cold winter months. I took a look at a, a fun one. You know, just before we get into the action, did you see the Peanut Butter Falcon? You know, I did get to watch it. You know, I forget how long ago it came out. It was five, six years ago? So it's been a few years, I think. Yeah. Saw it once at home, you know, watched it through Crave, HBO, or whatever you want to call it. Right. Well, judging by the age of all the, the way the wrestlers look, yeah. yeah, it looks like it's five or six years old. That's right. Anyway, Shia LaBeouf stars, and it's got some some of our favorites are in there. That's Jake right. the Snake playing yeah. a heel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who beats up on a mentally challenged guy. So, <laughs> like, you're like, oh, Jake. Oh, Jake, what are you doing? <laughs> But it's fun. It's heartwarming. You know, there's a lot of conveniences in the script. As long as you can overlook those and go along for the ride, I yes. really recommend. Recommend uh, it's heartwarming. Mick Foley's in there. Yeah, there's and a guy named Big. The big guy, Lance Archer. He was in AEW and, and wrestled in Japan and stuff like that. He's the big monster, like you see in the ring. Okay. Yeah. Um. So I don't know uh, this gentleman, Lance. Archer? Archer, yeah. Okay. Yeah. One of the only like proper full size eighty sized wrestlers, you know, in current wrestling. <laughs> Aha. For everybody to uh, add to their wrestling culture watch list. Uh, it's uh, it's family friendly. Yeah, it's funny. I think Shia LaBeouf's character is like the reluctant hero. Like he doesn't want to be a good guy, but he kind of is. Yeah. <laughs> and he like Yeah. Yeah, you know, this is it's got a lot of heart. He finds his way there. <laughs> yeah. So go check out the Peanut Butter Falcon. Like when it came out, I remember I was in no rush. Yeah, and I was it was totally like pizza night. What are we gonna watch? And like, <laughs> eh, 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 eh. I was like, well, you know, let's give it a shot. And it hooked me. Yeah, it's a yeah. Get yourself a hanky. And yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. It's very touching. Absolutely. So mini correction section here. I gotta you know correct correction myself. Section. <laughs> there we go. So going back to our Saturday night's main event number eleven coverage, we had the Ricky Steamboat. Title defense against Hercules, and Jeff and I were seeing things differently, and I was wrong. <laughs> so I oh, yeah. I thought Once that again. Savage had grabbed Steamboat's leg to break up the Full Nelson. Jeff thought that he'd grabbed Hercules' leg to break up the Full Nelson, and it was Hercules' leg indeed. And they are wearing the same color boots and stuff like that, so that does that helps my case a tiny bit. <laughs> yeah. Takes the sting off. Here, this to take the edge <laughs> off there, Draper. Right. Okay, well, that's uh, no big deal. Nope. But, you know, speaking of correction, fiction, today for the first time, I heard the idea that Akeem, a one-man gang, you know, going all black sure. with with slick, was a rib on Dusty Rhodes. Oh, yeah, I've, I've heard that through the, you know, different podcasts for I years now. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, you've been, you, you know, you're all over these podcasts. That's so. right, yeah. Uh, anyway, but then I also, it was vehemently denied by uh, Brother Love, Bruce Pritchard. He, he denies it, but everybody else admits it. And, you know, like the African dream instead of the American dream. And all this stuff, which made it so funny. And well, one of these days we'll get there. But Dusty Rhodes in the WWF against Akeem. It's like it's ah. one of the it's one of the greater comedy matches of WWF history. Okay, well, yeah. I look forward to that. <laughs> 
So we're here back again, trying to sew up the summer. So we're kind of calling this our WWF July, August 1987 edition. It's going to be a little different than most of our shows, a bit more like rapid fire, just kind of firing through notes of host show results, TV shows. Uh, remember that we're pulling stuff from these different syndicated properties, so the timelines sometimes get out of whack. Primetime is often showing something two or three weeks after it happened, so if we throw out a date and you're like, no, that happened on Superstars or Challenge two weeks earlier, you know, don't don't get out of, don't get Ben's out of shape. <laughs> so we, we do have a couple of things that we want to just touch on from June before we move on, and one of them is like, you know, I'm always, and I'm not going to cover this because this match has so many I spot so many aspects of it that we see over and over again. So it's it's a six-man tag match. It was a main event of a prime time back in June. It's the Bulldogs and Billy Jack Haynes against the Broken Hearts Club Band something something. Jimmy Hearts Broken Bones Club Band. That's right. <laughs> so the Hart Foundation and Danny Davis. And if you listen to the commentary, it almost sounds like maybe this is before WrestleMania 3. They kind of make it seem like De- Davis has never been in the ring as this persona. Now, he knows he was under a mask and wrestling as a jobber at the same time he was a ref. So it's not that he's never been in the ring before. But as the Danny Davis heel wrestler character who's been fired as a ref, they're trying to make, it seems like they're trying to indicate that this is his first, you know, actual in-ring action. But one of the funny things is that the Hart Foundation, they're just having a great time in the ring. They come out first and the camera looks really funny because <laughs> the Bulldogs slip in and you don't see them coming and they just totally like, they, they rush past the Hart Foundation. They don't even touch them and they both start like, both David Boy and Dynamite start punching Danny Davis in the face like over and over again. Yeah. And the Hart Foundation tries to get involved and they just beat them up and chase them out of the ring. And Danny Davis is staggering around and Billy Jack Haynes finally shows up. And then the neat thing is that after all that, that's when the Bulldogs music kicks in. So for about six seconds, they're beating them up to the, you know, the, the Bulldogs music. So I really enjoyed that. So, of course, we get into the match and we'll skip ahead because I'm only going to talk about sort of unique aspects of the match because it's a lot of the stuff from the Saturn Ace main event best two or three falls. It's Davey Boy and Hitman basically do every spot from that match in this match. And Dynamite and, and Billy Jack are in there a bit, but... The problem being, we haven't seen Danny do anything to anybody to give them any credibility or make them look tough. He doesn't, you know, the, him as a threat just yeah. isn't going over. And so, yeah, like, he just even kicks him and slaps people when they're like already hurt. <laughs> yeah. So that you know, as much as I, you know, in the progress of our show here, I've been getting on board with the Danny Davis and realizing, you know, how well they played this. You know, let's hate him, but you know, when he's intervening, talking to Mean Gene, he just looks so very unthreatening that yes. he's like I want to show everybody in, that in I'm the, in the land of the giants you know yeah exactly that age he really doesn't fit in and uh, you know once they're trying to break him away from you know having his buddies you know yes. have a feud with Mr. T or whatever it, uh, it, it, it was a real uphill battle along a hard sell yeah, and I would say even by, like, this fall, by the Survivor Series, he's going to be presented a bit more as a real wrestler. Still a weasel and, like, you know, a weakling compared to these other guys, but definitely a little bit more effective. In this match, he's getting all the heat by being tagged in, kicking or slapping a guy once, usually getting punched in the stomach by the beaten-up guy who's, like, immediately starting to come back because, you know, Danny's attacks are more like wake-up wake slaps. <laughs> and, yep. then like, and then he's got to tag out right away. So the crowd's getting really hot off that. But there's um, some there's some pretty neat stuff. So there's a, there's a spot where they, after they have a long stretch where Dynamite's in the ring getting hurt, and they do a double slingshot. So the Jim Neidhart, like, you know, getting slung from outside the apron for a splash, right? Uh-huh. But they, they it's Davis being, sl- you know, slingshotted in. So, like, both Jim and Brett whip the rope, and Davis comes flying over and, of course, lands on the knees. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty great. Backfire. And so there's a hot tag, 
And it's incredible. B- Billy Jack Haynes has a great press slam, but Billy Jack Haynes press slamming Danny Davis is a thing of beauty because Davis weighs like five pounds compared to these right. other guys. <laughs> so One just, arm. Yeah, that's what it looks like. It, just look, it looks hilarious. So there's some pretty funny stuff here, but eventually, of course, Billy Jack Haynes takes a beating for a long time. You get your second break, and it's really great. Monsoon's teasing Heenan over uh, Jimmy Hart having, he's got two championships, you've got none. <laughs> oh, I know. I watched that. J- Bobby's squirming like, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, you know, it helps to know these guys were great friends because the show can almost get uncomfortable the way yes, yeah. Monsoon is just so smug and he's just like your life yeah. really stinks doesn't it and Bobby Heenan has to just <laughs> sit there and kind of look uncomfortable and like well that's what you say but you don't know <laughs> like, and then like I, yeah it really occurred and there's it's going to be to put a fine point on it our main event for this episode of Legendary Wrestling Obsession is going to be Jimmy Hart's Broken Bones Club Band the Champion Edition Six right. Man Elimination against a very interesting collection and a motley crew. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. You got, you know, the world tag team champions, the intercontinental champion, the Hart Foundation and the Honky Tonk Man, all represented by Jimmy Hart. Poor Bobby Heenan sitting there green with (laughs) Andy squirming. And um, so at the end of August, which will wrap up this episode, these guys will face Bruno Sammartino, Jake Roberts, and Tito Santana in an elimination (laughs) match. I know, but it's exciting just think yeah. of all the possible finishes. That's right, right yeah. So that really uh, gets my imagination going. That's and, right. And uh, it's a 25-minute match. It's lots of good laughs and some surprises. But yeah, I, I watched that and I, I feel bad for poor Bubby Heenan. Uh, and why? <laughs> you know, he deserves some gold. He it's should have really... had way more. He, he had his Intercontinental and his tag team title runs. He, they, they are coming up. But I mean, geez, he's around the WWF for like 85. He has to wait until I think 88 to get a title or something. I get it. Whatever. Well, you know, we you look know it up, maybe but... his thing is like... Like, yeah, well, I get a TV show yeah, and yeah. Uh, as well as the... Exactly, I, yeah. I, I'm sure he wasn't too worried about which titles yeah. he had and stuff like that. He he's was a just, team player. Yeah, exactly. But from us watching on the outside, yeah, and now yeah. You're, starting to, you're starting to take Bobby's side when... <laughs> Gorilla Monsoon, he's so genteel about his insults. That's that right, I, yeah. I don't know why you don't just jump off a bridge, Bobby. I mean, <laughs> if I were you, I would just, I'd end it all. That's right. <laughs> and Bobby's like, yeah, well, you know, I got, I got, I got a family to think about. It. <laughs> it's just like it's so good. Yeah. So the, the finish of this match is really fun. So after Billy Jack gets the hot tag to, to Davey Boy, he comes in, helps the fire. He hasn't been in there since early in the match. Just cleans house on everybody, nails everybody. They're all smoked, and then, man, it is incredible. Davy Boy and Dynamite, double corner whip, Bret Hart, sternum first. Like, this is almost as good as the Tito one from Saturday Night's Main Event. Uh. And the thing is, is that Anvil's staggering in, in, the, in the way of the camera. He kind of slightly blocks the corner, and I don't know why. That makes it look even more deadly, because you, you can't, you kind of, you can't, you don't 100% see Bret hit, but you hear him hit. <laughs> like, you, the noise that turnbuckle makes when Bret Hart hits it and the way he just bounces back to the middle of the ring and then it's up for the press slam Davey Boy picks up Dynamite but instead of the flying body press this time like the launching you know throwing him on top of Anvil like he did on Saturn's main event it's the drop for the headbutt Davey Boy presses him drops him to the mat so Dynamite can come down like as if he's jumped off the top rope for the, the headbutt the one two three nice yeah really fun so that was pretty awesome. A dash of justice and revenge for all our bulldog heartbreak. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Anytime we can get that, we will take it. We're going to go to the July 6th primetime episode and an AWA old stalwart is uh, making an appearance. Yeah. Uh, a shooter. 
Hooker. <laughs> An Olympian. That's right. Brad Rangans, never particularly colorful or outspoken, Definitely but he's not. got a colorful outfit on tonight, though. <laughs> Did you notice this? No, I don't no. think I saw this match. It's almost like he borrowed a page from our other, Jim Brunzel, our right, other yes, EWA, yeah. and, and like he got his singlet on, but it's kind of tie-dye oh, or kind something. kind of tie-dye, okay, Well, it's yeah. just multicolored. Yeah, it's, sure, it's, sure. It's, 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 yeah, so it wasn't exactly the way I remember, and also Brad looked a bit more muscular than I remember. Vince probably told him to get on the roids once he uh, started offering him dates. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised, but I was surprised because I see that a month or no, a week earlier in the previous month, he was wrestling a, a name I didn't recognize. So I just presumed that he won, right? you know, or at least had a competitive match. So I'm thinking, okay, Tiger Chung Lee is yeah. his opponent here. You know, he, he's staying busy traveling the country, but he's, he's not much of a presence in my memory. Anyway, Tiger Chung Lee didn't yeah. have any big storyline. So he was elite, elite jobber. He was on TV a lot. Okay. Yeah. All right. I, I uh, must have been sleeping in at the past those but, matches. But he got, he got a lot of. T- but his TV shots were basically as the enhancement talent. Yeah. So I do remember him. Anyway, unfortunately, uh, he gets a clean win over our Brad Rangins. Oh, okay, Brad's S- not uh, not getting the push. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I say clean, there might there might have been like, hey, look over there, and then what? Punk. You know. <laughs> like, but it was not good. It was like definitely, it's not a Brad Rangins push. That's, That's for right. sure. Like I'll tell you that much. Yeah. Not really too much to uh, remark on other than that in that match, just that he, he didn't have a very long run in the WWF, didn't get any gold. and uh, That's right. No, of course know, not. <laughs> I guess here it is. Pretty, and, pretty hard to get gold in the, yeah. in the 80s in the WWF. But. Here it is in a snapshot, another another AWA hero. Yeah. Uh, gets a you short... notice his name in the house show circuit in certain areas. It's almost like, oh, we're in Illinois, we're in Minnesota, we're here, we're here, we're here. Okay, this guy can be on the card or whatever. So I think that's some of some of the reasons we see him at these times because it's sort of almost like convenient and I know he did a lot of like training of wrestlers, so maybe that's why they were trying to work with him or something. Who knows? Didn't really look into it. The interview with Danny Davis that follows is where I'm starting to look at him and just not seeing him as a dangerous guy. Yeah, you know? of course. But having said that, I would That's wouldn't... his nickname. <laughs> <laughs> uh, having said that, I wouldn't have found Dutch Mantel particularly yeah, scary true. looking yeah, either. Exactly. You know, if he was just reading the paper and being a mild-mannered guy, yeah. you wouldn't think there anything of it. But this interview, for me, was like, ah, I can see why this gimmick... Because he's on his own. Yeah. It was fun watching them all... Laugh maniacally as the you know yeah the Heart Foundation plus the group yeah, yeah. but uh, right away I can see that there's gonna there's trouble trouble ahead for Danny as a solo wrestler even if they do pair him with Mr T which is the intent coming up right yeah there's some stuff coming up here so one of the things we start seeing here and again this is prime time so this probably aired the week before or even two weeks before on on other syndicated properties but we get the first of a lot of vignettes introducing. The Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. Nick Bockwinkle. I'm Ted DiBiase. That's right. <laughs> so I had gone looking for some of the stuff. It's kind of somewhat well known that his introduction back to the WWF, he wrestled in the WWF when he was younger, went on, moved on to other fed- other federations, obviously Mid-South, all that stuff, UWF. Comes back here and becomes a very, very important character on the, on the circuit. And he's a, an amazing performer. I'm going to say that these vignettes, he hasn't formed the character yet. I'm watching these going like, nope, that's not Ted DiBiase. It's like, a, it's close, <laughs> but it's not Ted DiBiase. So we do have, he's in suits and stuff, but he doesn't have like his 
uniform on yet, but he's just dressed like, you know, in all these vignettes. And he's got, of course, his chauffeur is Virgil, who looks like this, you know. He doesn't have his uniform yet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah he doesn't have his yet either. He's got, he actually looks like a dancer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a very muscular. Yeah, I mean, extra plus dancer, <laughs> like right. the biggest, strongest dancer. <laughs> but the outfit that he's got on is uh, almost like too hot for TV. <laughs> you know, but Virgil's gone is so tight. You know, you're practically yeah. counting the veins in his ball sack. It's like, please. You yeah, know, like get, get that sleeveless tux on Virgil. You know, <laughs> shocking. So this whole promo is takes place in a limo, and he's explaining who he is, and and you know the whole gimmick of all of these things is always going to come down to getting the idea of no matter who you are, they, everybody's got a price for the million dollar man, and he's going to buy you out. So and he, in this particular bit, he like cuts himself with his with his one of his hundred dollar bills, so he has a paper cut. So then there's a little like there's a little <laughs> skit where they go to like a hospital supposedly, yeah, and then he like. You know, he demands the poor... Right now, poor I need to see the desk. doctor. Exactly. Exactly. I got, I and they're like, well, you're on a waiting list. And it's like, no. And then he keeps putting... And he keeps snapping his he fingers. He puts down $100 bills then, to the you know, nurse. And she's like, sir, we do not. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, yeah. And he puts yeah. another $100 bills. <laughs> yeah. She stays firm. We are a hospital. Yeah. And the third $100 bill, yeah, yeah. she takes it. I'll see what I can do. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's actually pretty good. Yeah. So that's where, you know... He turns to the camera and says, I told you, everybody, what's your... Even you have yeah, your price. that's right. <laughs> the thing I'm noticing is, of course... DBS has got this great voice and he can really have this deep voice. What he's missing here in all these promos is he doesn't have the laugh yet. He doesn't have the million dollar man laugh, which is really like what kind of ties it all together. So as we haven't gotten far enough along to see when that clicks in, you know, but uh, anyways, there's going to be more of these vignettes. Uh, we'll cover them very quickly because they're all sort of the same point, but they give a little bit of a chuckle. I do like when they go back to Heenan and Monsoon. I think Monsoon's asking Heenan what his price would be, and he's stammering and doesn't want to, like, name it and stuff like that. And then he says back to to Monsoon, yeah, well, your price would be stocks and bananas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So before we, uh, oh, there's a few more things on this episode. Uh, I think one of our local favorites from Boston, Mr. Pete Doherty, is, uh, is this the episode he's on? It is. Who will prevail in this clash of the enhancement talent, <laughs> these elite, I'm not even going to say the J word. That's right. No. Because uh, Pete Doherty now has his fan club in this area, and there's a, a, a <laughs> chance. Show. Duke, Duke, you actually yeah. hear, you know, the uh, the ECW type, you know, the frat yeah. boy yeah, 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 tell yeah. Uh, audience members uh, chanting for uh, Pete Doherty. But yes, it's, it's a match that I was... Excited to watch because I really didn't know who was going to win, and I kind of thought either way. You know, I like yeah. both of these guys. Yeah, primetime's good at taking sort of lesser talent and putting them together, and then you're like, "That's what Jeff means." Is like, how do we don't know who's going to win if he's fighting King Kong Bundy or Sika or one of the top baby faces? Well, we know Pete Doherty's going to lose, but when he's fighting SD Jones, we're not 100 percent sure. So what we love about the Duke is that he doesn't take one step that isn't in character. He has this <laughs> kind of like he kind of like has a, a Michael Hayes sort of walk, right. you know, a str- that's like also the troll who wants to eat Billy Goat Gruff. You know, he's, he's, he's this this hilarious ogre. He, he's like such a, a professional wrestler, you know, yes. like as far as like, ah, and, and growling at the fans and, <laughs> and it's gotten him over and they, they really like him. And S.D. Jones is not getting cheered, not, in, <laughs> not in, you know, here in Boston. Like it, it's, um, I feel a little bad for S.D. that, yeah, that's you, know, right. he, you know, is his one chance to shine. Remember you his know, birthday one? He didn't even get a... <laughs> Yeah, pop for his birthday. That's right. That in his hometown, <laughs> yeah, you know, right. was that was 
even though I believe he's also got maybe dual citizenship or something. Yeah, like he yeah, uh, sure. spent, I think, some time. And uh, did I tell you that they used to call him, they had a nickname because he could outrun a taxi or something for 100 meters. So what? when he was young, he did track, apparently. And so he got this nickname that he could, like, there was some, like, local mode of transport. And, yeah. like, in a 100-meter race, he could beat, uh, like, a something with, a, with an engine. Yeah. <laughs> his butt, he probably wasn't as thick as he is as a wrestler. No. Because I can't imagine he'd be running too fast as, you know. These track days. Yeah, exactly. So Pete Doherty actually... In his uh, ring entrance, he climbs up to the second rope, and then he goes all the way to the top, a la Macho Man double axe handle on yeah, somebody, right, right? Right, right? But then he gets up there, and he's like, whoa, whoa, and like the, the, the ropes, you know, start wobbling as if Ultimate Warrior has grabbed them and he's shaking them. And then he, you know, so he does, uh, he hops off the ropes and, and uh, doesn't face plant he manages to land on both feet and sd's taking his coat off he's not really the spotlight's on pete doherty sd's okay with that but you know all in within a couple of seconds pete doherty is hopped off the top rope he's back in the ring he turns around and he sneak attacks sd jones <laughs> and the match is on you know and he starts beating up and punching and everybody's kind of like huh what what and like even watching it you just well, start the match already so yeah, finally yeah. the bell rings and like okay well here we go the action's begun sd finally manages to get his coat off you know, the real fun was the setup. The yeah. match itself wasn't so great. I yeah. mean, uh, you know, it's it's kind of back and forth. Pretty mundane finish. SD does away with Pete Doherty. Okay, yeah. And the crowds aren't, the crowd's not cheering SD. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Poor SD. Yeah. So uh, I had high hopes for it, you know, but uh, SD doesn't get to enjoy his victory. At least he got that sweet LJN money. <laughs> yeah. I wish Pete and Doherty, he, he deserves some of that LJN. There's, there's like multiple uh, SD Jones figures. Like there's oh, wow. like, there's one with like a Hawaiian shirt or something and one with like a different shirt. And like, yeah, yeah. He's, he, had, he had at least two figures. So. Well, I see. Anything that SD or that Pete Doherty is in, I'll watch. So one kind of cool thing on this episode is there's an update segment, and unfortunately it's Craig DeGeorge in this era, it seems, doing he these updates. He doesn't know what the I, fuck I, he's I talking mean about. Gene. Like, why isn't Mean Gene doing the updates? He's, yeah. he's around doing other stuff. It's not like he's not there. They're so. really giving this Craig DeGeorge punk a push well, and he I doesn't know what he's talking guy, about probably pay him a lot less than than gene and uh, maybe he's one of these ring boys i keep hearing about yeah, i don't i don't know anything boy, about boy. yeah well <laughs> okay i mean that's that's a little harsh but so this update we didn't you know i i'm, I'm sure if we tried harder we maybe could have found the whole segment or whatever but it, we get what we want to see here which is we've you know done a lot of stuff coverage of the patera versus heenan family and here's the moment where like it's like the empire strikes back <laughs> okay so i don't know how we get here but the like rogues gallery i had on the previous episode envisioned you like where they got all the bounty hunters lined up yeah 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 <laughs> i envisioned like all of heenan's men coming to get patera and here they do <laughs> i know i wish you hadn't been such a short clip like yeah you, you don't see anything you don't really know what's going on i think they've already got them there's two of them on the outside let's say Bundy and whoever, uh, I think Race is on the inside. Yeah. So to and paint the picture, yeah, there's a couple Heenan family members outside. Or, yeah, holding his like, arms over the rope, so his his back is exposed to the so middle of the ring. In, yeah, he's in the ring with the, uh, yeah. his feet are on, the, and he's he's held over. So he's yeah. it's almost like they're holding him for a whipping. 
Exactly. And they take turns. It's like the scene of the Dazed and Confused. Everyone's getting their licks in. Oh, it's almost uncomfortable. <laughs> and when they and they switch off. So now Bundy comes up into the, you know, like, and, and then eventually Heenan gets his licks in. <laughs> it's just yeah. like, yeah, they all get to wail on him. So did you list off everybody? Let's, let's well, we that. have, we got Race, we got Hercules, we got Orndorff, and we got Bundy. Which is wild because Orndorff is just about to turn. Well, the timing of that recording of when that yes. would have been. So we're talking a month or still, you know, different. Still. So yeah, yeah. It's, but it's, it's pre. I mean, like, People are cheering Orndorff. As oh yeah, we, you yeah, know, yeah. Like We've seen yeah before yeah, this. They want know? to. They want Orndorff people to love be. A, Orndorf, they yeah. want him to be a baby face, but he's in there whipping Patera oh, like yeah. all these these you know hundred percent heels. Yeah, and they I wasn't Harley Race there holding oh, the arms. Race was race. The race was in the ring initially, and he was. I think he was the first guy to give the whips. <laughs> so, so we got Bundy, Orndorff, yeah. Race, and Hercules, and Bobby oh, Heenan, and Bobby Heenan. Five of them beating down Patera. Nobody comes to his rescue, but they the crowd wants to see somebody to come to his rescue. That's right. They're, they're chanting for Hogan, right? Oh my God! Yeah. Like the loudest. So loud i thought it was like you know a sneaky overdub audio after yeah the fact. that's right yeah but it sounds it's genuine yeah it's pretty neat and later in that segment they they take you back and they i, I wanted you. hogan to come out yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah save him well maybe he was scared off all those guys yeah, hey, no way brother there's a whole heenan family out there oh that would have been great promo for heenan hogan was back there. andre waiting for him oh hogan comes out and then andre cuts him off and then they hold hogan over the ropes and whip oh, him too oh my god <laughs> Here's some fantasy booking there for you. Go. Legendary wrestling obsession. Yeah, so then there's this backstage scene of Patera laying face down, like muttering into a towel, I'm going to get them all or whatever. Oh, and, don't like, forget you know. the, the makeup. <laughs> they, they, like, yeah, and his back is all marked up to make it look like he's, you know, taking those whippings. And, yeah, and there's his buddies poking his wounds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Does that yeah, help? Yeah. Us poke, 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 like Who outside the red. Beefcake? And Bill, Billy Jack? Billy Jack, maybe, yeah. And, but like, you know, I'm like, hey, and he hit you here and here and here. Yeah, and I'm exactly. like, does that hurt more? Exactly. Stop, stop that. <laughs> <laughs> Leave him alone. And he's not selling. He's like, oh, yeah. That's like, yeah. <laughs> so that's a lot of fun. And we'll explain why, obviously, going forward, there's going to be a bunch of different Patera matches and stuff like that versus different Heenan family members. But uh, I certainly, I, that's something I'd forgotten about. Like, I, I'm sure I saw that clip. It, it looked very familiar once I saw it, but it was definitely one of those moments I forgot about where I was like, ooh, that's nice. That's that's really good. Yeah, and uh, you know, just to be clear, we're referen- re- referencing the part where Darth Vader has assembled the galaxy's most deadly bounty yeah, hunters right. yeah. to track down yeah, Han Solo right. in The Empire Strikes Back, and it's so cool. And then Corey, you know, in that game, he went and made powers for a bunch of these bounty hunters <laughs> for that, the epic duels game. That, or yeah, uh, we talked about a different episode, yeah. Yeah, so it, it, among the things that he did was, uh, what were the names of some of those other bounty hunters? Forlom and uh, Bosk. And uh, I'm trying to think of somebody. IG, everybody, IG88, you know, like. <laughs> okay, so those, yeah, you got it. Of course, everybody knows Boba Fett. Yeah, Boba Fett, and yeah, fun stuff. So speaking of the Ultimate Ooh, Warrior shaking ropes, the t- those all, we also remember those from kids, the Kenner Star Wars figures. Oh yeah, we loved having the, the bounty hunters. Well, that's the good. thing; those those figures came out. They, they, some of those characters only appeared in one scene, had no lines. You never yeah. saw any action out of them. Yeah, and then you got this figure of them, and like your mind would just you know you'd come up with all these things these guys could do, yeah, <laughs> even though they were like more. they did nothing. That's right. <laughs> even yeah. Boba Fett really he did nothing. Like you know, in, in compared to a modern movie, right? Like yeah. you know, there was no way a character like that would be introduced into a movie now and not have some kick-ass action scene. Yeah, we had definitely our imaginations were sparked by all these bounty hunters. That's right. Aren't they brave? Wait a minute, what's Heenan doing? Bobby Heenan. He just took off his belt. Oh, They're whipping him like a dog. 
So you had earlier mentioned in reference to Pete Doherty climbing those ropes, the rope shaking because of the ultimate warrior. Well, we got a different kind of warrior here. It's Houston. It's July 10th. It's the Dingo Warrior. I saw one of his early matches in the WWF that was so awkward. He's not over yet. Yeah. And he's just clumsy. He's got kind of a bark. He might even still have the... I'm not even sure if his mustache has been shaved yet. Yeah, like maybe a, not. Yeah. But and he's uh, still being called Dingo. I rem- So, you know, I remember pictures of him in WCCW yes. with the mustache. Yes. And his hair wasn't, you know, heavy metal band yet. Looking like a roided out Raymond Rougeau. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ready to party hardy with That's the face right. paint. That's right. Yeah. Um, he's one of the few wrestlers mentioned in Iron Claw. Law, Fritz makes a reference like Helkstra's doing blah blah blah. You that's got right. you know twice his talent or something like that's that. That's right. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, so Dingo Warrior, and I, when I saw when the YouTube tool came to my attention, and I went back and looked at an early Dingo Warrior match, I was like, wow, wow. Without the push, nowhere, nothing, nothing. Yeah. He had no, he had no in ring talent. He didn't really like the business. He wanted to make money. He was a bodybuilder, and he looked good. And sure, but and he had, and he he, he did it. You know, he did get him points himself to a point where he had charisma and a connection with the audience. Yeah, but he did. you know, he and, got but, there. But without Vince, yeah, strapping the rocket. You yeah, know, what what would he have been? He had these weird. I remember the match. I can still remember just like the uh, really awkward barking at the ref, like it, where he was, uh, uh, and it just it was it was so clumsy. Yeah, was, you know, and like he was beating up a jobber, but the crowd didn't much care, and you know. <laughs> One thing I noticed from the results of this era is we do already start to see Randy Savage versus Honky Tonk Man matches on the Hosho circuit. It seems like by the results, the way they're listed is that it's already, it's still like, it's definitely still heel Savage versus heel Honky, but he's already being positioned as an intercontinental contender. Mm -hmm. And of course, that's going to lead towards his transition that's coming over the course of the summer. Well, I wonder if any of those probably not were substituting for Jake, who was dealing with injuries and also possibly issues. Because Honky, I heard heard an interview with him. He said like Jake no-showed a lot there. Yes, I did notice a lot of results here that say subbing for Jake, subbing for Jake. And in many of those cases, Jake is at ringside with the opponent. So whoever's subbing for him, it's like, Blah, 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 with Jake. Wow. Against Honky Tonk Man. Well, here's what Honky Tonk had to say about that. He um, complained that he would have to lose because Jim Cornette was interviewing Honky Tonk Man, and he said, when the crowd comes to see Jake beat up Honky Tonk Man, and instead it's the Crusher That's right, versus yeah. Honky Tonk Man with Jake at his ringside, yeah. Honky Tonk's going down because the, the crowd's already mad. They don't get the match they want. Now you can't make them extra mad by building heat for the next right. month. Honky's got to go down. So he said, I told Vince, you got to keep me good on TV, and he was getting paid every night yeah he talked about that uh in the, the shoot interview i was talking about where it was before he won the intercontinental title and he's he didn't think his career was going very well he thought his, he thought his run was going to end pretty quick because he, like he said they started putting the crusher over me on all these house shows and then like out of nowhere out of the blue all of a sudden he gets lucky in a hallway and gets pointed at as like hey let's just put the belt on that guy and and he gets a totally different result a totally different career trajectory but yeah it's funny <laughs> you gotta go down to the crusher you can't beat milwaukee's finest the dollies Doggies, pickles. Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing here Boston, July 11th. Bruno Sammartino subbing for Jake Roberts versus Honky Tonk Man. You know, like just stuff yeah. like that, right? It, it definitely happened. So he complained he had to wrestle a lot of semi-retired guys <laughs> and that they always beat him. Honky Tonk complains that it was that Jake was rehabbing or whatever. But, you know, we, we do love our Jake, so 
We try to go easy on them. That's right. Okay, we're going to head to the July 13th primetime edition. Is another one of these DiBiase pro vignettes. Uh, the promo this time starts off them looking in a mirror with Virgil, and the whole scene here is an outdoor pool with all these kids playing in it, and DiBiase and Virgil intimidate and buy off the shady pool manager, <laughs> and they kick out all the kids, and then you see the kids through the chain link fence, and they're looking longingly at the pool and jealous <laughs> as DiBiase, like, he's in his bathing suit now, and he's, like, on a, he's not even using the pool, he's, like, on, like, the, you know, he's on the recliner or whatever, and right. doing, like, the, I don't know, the model shot or whatever, like, posing oh, for photos. I and, love it. Yeah, it's, it's pretty funny. Pretty good. <laughs> this episode features a match, which Jeff and I was a big part of the start of our show. So there's Paul Orndorff as a heel wrestling Billy Jack Haynes from the Spectrum. And this epi- this match is included on this primetime episode, but we saw this through an actual Spectrum card. And this was the match that introduced us to our beloved Cal Rudman. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we won't cover the match at all, but the interview leading up to this match was like, this thing had us in tears. We were just dying laughing of the first time getting yeah. to see Cal just like fawn all over heel Orndorff. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I remember telling Corey, he's like, you got to see this interviewer guy that we've never heard of. He's so funny. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's really good. You're quite eloquent in addition to being a great, great wrestler. Good looking too, eh? Oh, yeah. We'll be right back. You're good looking. Jeff, I found a nugget. Now, we have no footage, so we couldn't watch this stuff, so we can only imagine it. But we're going to have a little fun here. Imagination? Imagination. We're at a July 19th house show. It's Buffalo. It's summer. Must be hot out. Buffalo wings. It's another (laughs) one-night tag team tournament. Winner gets a title shot at the end of the night. Wow. Okay, so we're just going to go through this quickly because we don't have, a, you know, we don't got all day here, but uh, let's have a little bit of fun with it. So this is the alphabetical order of the teams. So this has nothing to do with the matchups. So we got the Bulldogs. We've got a variation of the Can-Am connection. We've got Rick Martel with George Steele. <laughs> wow. So Tom Zink's already fucked Tom up. Tom Zink is gone, yeah. Tom Zink is gone. And that, that hasn't aired yet. That asshole, that's, you know. You that's me. right, yes, yes. We have Demolition. We got Kamala and Sika. We have a version of the Killer Bees, except for in this one, it's Coco subbing for B. Byron Blair for some reason. I'm not sure why Blair's not there. He must be hurt or something, or who knows what's going on. Wow. We've got the Islanders, the new Dream Team, and the Rougeos. Okay. Now, wait until you hear these matchups. This is where it's fun. I wish we could have seen, like, even if we could just see the quarterfinals, this would be so good. So, match number one in the quarterfinals, the Bulldogs defeat the Rougeos. Wow. Babyface versus Babyface. Wow. Then we get the new Dream Team beat Demolition by Countout. So heel versus heel. Holy smokes. Yep. Then the Islanders take out the makeshift Bees team. And the half and half Can-Am connection beat Kamal and Sika. When George Steele hits Sika with a foreign object. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I was maybe thinking he might get Kamala a little revenge. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And carried it on a stretcher. So in the semis, we got the Bulldogs beat the Islanders when Davey White pins Tama. Well, and, tell me who the teams are before you tell me who wins. Okay, sorry. So Bulldogs and... Bulldogs, Islanders. And the Islanders are eliminated? Yes. Okay. That was What's the, the first match? semi. The next matchup is that leaves the new Dream Team facing off against the makeshift Can-Am Connection. Okay, let me see. So who just went forward in the other one? Did you say? Bulldogs. The Bulldogs? Okay, so now we have uh, Can-Am versus the Heels. Okay, I'm going to say the Heels go over. And you are correct. The new Dream Team win. Okay. So that brings us to a final of New Dream Team against the Bulldogs. 
okay, um, I'm thinking that they're going to go for, a, you know, a traditional bulldog against the Hart Foundation for the end. What happens in the finals of the okay. tournament? Okay. It's, it's a little confusing the way they have it written up. Davy Boy has Greg in a Boston Crab. Dino Bravo kicks him in the chest. And there's no more description than that, but it leads to a dream team win. So there's somehow a pinoff of that. Why can't the Bulldogs get any fucking (laughs) love? (laughs) So the only neat thing, though, is that then you have this heel versus heel match. That is fascinating. So now you've got the new dream team earns their title shot that night against the Hart Foundation. Uh And then the new dream team win by DQ after Danny Davis interferes. Amazing. Yeah. Wow. So it's pretty cool. Two nights later, uh, one night later, pardon me. They do they do this exact same thing again in Hershey, Pennsylvania. All the same teams, all the same results. Really? Yeah. And it's Jeez. not named after anybody. It's not a memorial anybody or anything like that. But and there's no there's no TV on either of those uh, shows. I looked up the dates. I tried to see if there's somehow you know some sometimes they weird mix it up. That's terrible. The exact same. Well, I guess if it wasn't on TV and nobody's gonna know about it, no internet. That's like, still you know, lazy. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Okay, that's the same day as a an episode of and Honky Tonk Man when I told him so. What we just we just did it two nights ago. <laughs> what the hell you get paid for anyway? Sit on your ass and just photocopy it. <laughs> so we got a primetime episode happening on July twentieth. A few things happening there. So this is the era where it's like they're redoing the Macho Man entrance into the WWF. It's Bam Bam Bigelow, and all the managers want to manage him. They're all they're all after him. And there's these segments we're going to start seeing, and it's Jesse Ventura with one of the managers, and then they find out like he, he Jesse's breaking the news to these guys that they're that he know that he's not going to let them manage them or whatever. So, but at this point, they're also just talking about him. They haven't gotten to that yet. So I've skipped over a bunch of stuff with this. There's you know different times like guys like Jimmy Hart or someone might be on like a commentary team you know, even just for part of a match, and then they'd start talking about Bam Bam. Even if it has nothing to do with the match you're watching, so it's kind of neat. You're kind of as a kid, I remember that that kind of hyped up Bam Bam that all these managers wanted to manage him. Made you know he must have been a badass. We get another DiBiase limo vignette. And this way he buys his way, this time he buys his way into an exclusive restaurant and he skips a line and and forces the guy to get him a table and someone at the back of the line starts chirping DiBiase, so Virgil steps to him and the guy has has to cower away in fear. It's it's pretty funny. And we do get a Don Morocco and Bob Orton interview with Mean Gene. And this here, we see something that I never saw. I never, there's so many clues along the way of what's going to happen here. And I missed all of these as a kid because to me... One of the most shocking transitions ever was when Don Morocco became a good guy because what happened is is that I don't remember why, but I had to miss back-to-back weeks of wrestling. I, there's two weekends in that summer. I remember I just didn't get to watch wrestling. It just I, I was we weren't around the TV, we weren't home, whatever wasn't recorded, and. Then all of a sudden, the next week you come back and it's babyface Morocco, and I was like, "What? What? <laughs> like a lot happens." Yeah, but it wasn't just those two weeks because there's stuff on these other shows. We didn't have primetime. We didn't have wrestling challenge. We didn't have whatever else. So I didn't see it. So in this interview, there's a lot of dissension between Morocco and Orton and they're like being pretty rude to each other. To me watching it, they both still seem like heels. It's not like one of them's the good guy or something. It's just that they're clearly not getting along. Bob Orton's slipping in all these digs at Morocco about losses that they've had and stuff like that and blaming him for things and Morocco's kind of insulting him back and they kind of work it out. It's not like they come to blows or anything, but it's definitely the first hint. Unfortunately for me, them as a unit just didn't land, uh, didn't cement itself in my brain, in my memory. I don't have any like, oh, in the time that those guys... Yeah, I guess for me, it's just WrestleMania three and some of the Piper stuff. Like that was about it, you know? Yeah. That's all I got is the Piper stuff. 
Yeah. And I wasn't And really... then finding out that they were the ones in the ring when Dynamite got hurt, you know, when they fought the Bulldogs. So that's, you know, that was one of the only other times that I could really solidly think of them. But I remember, th- I remember dreaming about that. I'm like, oh, I wish the Bulldogs had fought Morocco and Orton. Well, they did, <laughs> you know, like, but it wasn't on our TV. So we didn't, we didn't know. Like, for example, did they ever team on Saturday night's main event? No. Well then, well then, that's all the people need to know. <laughs> A little Von Raschke mad dog amalgamation so we'll skip ahead to the july 27th episode of prime time and here we see an in instead of a sort of a vignette from a limo or a you know some rich place we got dibiase he's in an arena but it's it's being voiced over by dibiase himself it's like he's doing the narration of his own footage of him in an arena and he's you know they're doing this they're showing you how when he comes to an arena they walk around and they hand out money to the crowd Mm -hmm. and then he'll go in the ring and he'll basically get somebody something to do something for him, whether it's to like kiss his foot or, you know, gets a woman to come in and massage him or something like that. So some of this kind of silly stuff, he the, the audio is really bad. He's it, DiBiase sounds so nasal. <laughs> like again, it just doesn't, it's not hitting me as DiBiase. It's not hitting me as the million dollar man. He hasn't really become the character yet. It's just, it's Ted DiBiase, but it's, it's not the million dollar man yet. This episode has actually pretty entertaining local promo for, uh, for Savage. And uh, he does start off Mean Gene asks him what he thinks about the Honky Tonk Man becoming the Intercontinental Champion. Oh, yeah. And yeah. it's really funny because we saw how adamant he was about, like, Hercules not becoming the, the champion. Yeah. He was so... Changed his tune. But all of a sudden here, when he says Honky Man, he thinks it's great because then yeah. he's like, he's, I'm going to take it off Honky Tonk Man. Yeah. But then he very quickly transitions to talking about Hogan because I'm noticing in these results, Savage is still having, like, title shots on house yeah, shows against Hogan. He congratulates Honky Tonk on being the new IC champ. Yeah. And he congratulates himself on being the new heavyweight, world <laughs> heavyweight champion. Right. Yeah. It's pretty far out there, man. He's like, he's in a different dimension. Yeah, that's the, he's already won the belt. There's a really good part where uh, Mean Gene says, now, Macho Man, if, if you win the title, can we start having Elizabeth back at these interviews? Because uh, Randy Savage won't let Elizabeth come to the interviews because yeah. Mean Gene's always trying to talk to her too much. Yeah. He's like, I have some questions for her. And then he's like, I can't remember exactly what Savage says, but something along the lines of like, uh, no, he says, uh, yeah, Elizabeth told me you'd like me. And then yeah, he's and like, he, 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 Elizabeth and I had a private conversation in yeah. which, and then Macho Man's like, private conversation. <laughs> and he does a little spin and, yeah, and yeah, Gene yeah, keeps yeah. going, where she told me, you have a very high opinion of me. That's right. <laughs> it's just really hilarious like you like me and macho man's like yeah well he says something along the lines he goes uh he goes you better shut your mouth if you want to stay on my good side (laughs) and then he goes i thought i was on your good side (laughs) it's really funny so yeah i had a lot of fun with that interview it was was good stuff here we go well but you okay you know since we're on savage yes uh, this is the prime time where savage kicks off the show against cv afi and it's cheating evil savage yeah, exactly yeah and the crowd's cheering him they don't care every time he sticks his fingers in the air you yeah. know for a, you know the taunt them yes. they cheer him that's right and uh you know he puts cv affy out of business pretty quickly that's he does, right. yeah. doesn't have to cheat much doesn't you know like cv affy's uh mid jobber i guess yeah, he's, he's dropping quick here at this point yeah. like yeah he's, he never did get that high but he's yeah. definitely on the he's definitely enhancement talent now but you just you simply cannot ignore uh how the crowd is cheering i mean and the last time we saw him he big elbowed ricky steamboat who 
who was KO'd on the mat. You know, he yeah, came yeah, up yeah, and pretended yeah, yeah. to be concerned and then did the cowardly, like, good sneak classic attack, macho yeah. man sneak attack while Ricky's already <laughs> unconscious on the mat. That was hilarious. And, you know, he's getting cheered. And, and Absolutely. like, also he was, like, shouting at Elizabeth, like, get out of here, you know, pulling his bully routine and they're cheering him. So it's like, yeah. these are dangerous waters. We can't, you know, like, they want to cheer him because he's so funny and it's all this, you know, these cartoon characters. Uh, but the transition is being forced upon Vince. Like, the, the crowd is, 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 is on, like, he's over. Macho Man is over. That's right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. He's if in, Unless he's really in a very specific matchup where, like, the crowd can have a reason to dislike him, they like him. <laughs> yep. This episode of Primetime, finally, it would have been two and a half years here of, of watching shows, 85 to 87, Orton versus Jerry Allen, I get my superplex. At last. <laughs> At last, I finally see the ah. superplex. Yeah, it's pretty good. And it's pretty great when after he gets his win, they go back to Bobby and Monsoon and Grella starts talking about how there's no counter and Bobby Heenan, you know, you know, says, yes, there is. And he's like, and Monsoon asks him to elaborate. He says, well, you just simple. You just, when he, when he hooks your head and tries to lift you, you lift him and you suplex him to the outside, but you let go. And then he says that way he falls on cement city. And I thought to myself, I was like, oh, Bobby, Jeff wouldn't like that Cement City comment. <laughs> That's right. And then he gets stuck in all that cement. That's right. Concrete City. <laughs> right. But the internet says a lot of people That's just right. use it interchangeably. However, yeah. for me, when I would get a little airplane, you know, that I wanted to put together, it, the thing didn't say, get your glue out. That's right. It said, get your cement out. <laughs> That's right. And I'm like, my, my cement? <laughs> my wheelbarrow? It gets, you know, some kind of like mortar supply. <laughs> <You know? laughs> So the main event of this episode is a Tito Santana versus Don Morocco match. And because we liked the Tito Santana versus Butch Reeves match so much, we wanted to take a close look at it. And then as I got into it, I realized, oh, wait a minute, something kind of important happens in this match. So it actually turns out it's a good idea that we covered it because it's not only is it a good match because Tito always puts on a good match and these guys have history. This is like intercontinental championship heat. Tito took the belt from Morocco and, and you know, he had a big run as a main event anywhere in the world brain. These two combat and sell out any uh, sports facility across the world. That's right. Of course, he says that about just about any match. <laughs> That's right. So Morocco's out there, no no Fuji and no Bob, and it's, you can tell it's the same arena as like it, like the other match, the Orton match was from earlier in the night, I and guess. And this is definitely not the Don Morocco of 1984. Like his his chest now is... Well, what I'm seeing here is he's really like big. he's mid-transition, so he's uh, like... I'd say 75% of the way Yeah, there. maybe that's a maybe that's a better way to say it. He's he's on his way. He doesn't look like he does at the Survivor Almost Series, done. but he's... Getting there. But the veins are starting to pop They're out. They're just and, you incredible. Know. His shoulders are so fucking huge yeah, here. Yeah, exactly, yeah. But he's still kind of, his, his midsection hasn't quite slimmed up That's yet. That's right, yeah. So Morocco's in the ring with this yellow shirt. Tito's got one of his black Ariba shirts on. We, we're in Boston, we can tell because of that sort of yellowy background, like the, you know, the the floor and the the way the stairs and stuff like that. That's how you know you're in Boston. And all the Pete Doherty fans. That's right. So, uh, you know, I'm not going to, I'm going to cover a bunch of stuff in this match, but not everything because there's a lot of stuff to it, but uh, in the several segments, but uh, I'm going to, the beginning is very kind of scientific. Like there's a lot of chain wrestling and a lot of like breaks in the ropes and Don Morocco like is full heel for, you know, full marks for his healdom here. And Tito, as Monsoon says, is like, sometimes it takes him too long to get mad. You know, like he waits until like he has to get beaten up before he can get mad. He, he trusts these people too much, you know? So, um, so there's some pretty funny stuff. There's a, after like several moves and sort of stalemates Don on a on basically a, a rope break you know sneaks in this cheap elbow 
and just really gets the ire of Tito Santana up. So he like, of course, he runs away. <laughs> like as soon as Tito puts up the Dukes, it's like Morocco doesn't want to fight. He takes a little takes a little siesta. And Tito too law abiding to chase him outside. That's right. So then Tito backs him into the ropes. A lot of clenched fists. Like oh Tito yeah, Tito always wants to punch he's him. Got he that clench, and the referee's like, "Hey, I That's see right. what you're up to." That's and right. Tito's like shaking that fist, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna clock him. <laughs> the ref's like, "No, you're not." So Tito goes for the clean break, and Don Morocco does a pretty funny thing. He just gives this big two-handed shove to Tito and just shoves him down to the mat, but then, it, like, you know, immediately leaves the ring. <laughs> yeah. and, and Tito's, like, really mad. So that stuff's pretty funny. Don tells Tito from the floor, you're not smart. You're not smart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought right. that was pretty good. A lot of, a lot of actual dialogue. <laughs> That's you know? right. So there's some others. They're kind of feeling each other out here. Tito gets a headlock, and Don grabs his hair, uses it to throw Tito off the ropes. Oh, did you hear the guys? There's a couple anti-Tito guys. Oh, really? I don't think you I didn't noticed hear? that. I saw a guy, I saw a guy kind of giving him like a, you know, a hand gesture on the can, like the hard camera so you can yeah. see him. He's facing the ring. There's he, a couple yeah, fucking, okay. there's a couple clowns that are, yeah. Tito sucks. Okay. Tito sucks. But uh, nice. I read somewhere about it and then I watched it and I'm like, oh, that's two guys. That's yeah, not, it's not that's a big not deal. That's not the crowd. Yeah, 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 exactly. So this is a really neat spot. So, Morocco whips, like, you know, uses the hair to push Tito off, throws him off the ropes, and he goes for a clothesline, and Tito ducks, and when he ducks that clothesline, he picks up. You know, you talked about uh, S.D. Jones outracing the cab. Well, Tito starts flying. He's, like, lightning quick when he wants to be. Flies off those ropes, bounces off. Don Morocco steps in to do the side back elbow, but Tito's already launched himself in the air, and he nails Morocco with the flying forearm in the side of the head. It's yeah. perfect. It's, like, almost right in the temple. Like, right, that was really early in the match. It was super early. Yeah. And yeah. Morocco's like basically out. Surprise. Now, to his luck, he he gets knocked down by the ropes. So we know that's going to lead to a foot on the ropes. So that's going to save him from being... Because Tito had to drag him away from the ropes, pins him. Then Morocco puts his foot back on the ropes anyways because he, he was in the ropes when he got hit. Like basically, when he took the flying forearm, he was in the ropes. So that was a really neat spot. But does, of course, not lead to a win because Don Morocco saves himself. Tito wants to start laying in the right hand on the, and the ref will not let him. <laughs> the, ref right. is, the ref is chased. He's like, no, 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 no. He's like totally stopping Tito from throwing right hands. And Don used that opportunity to get outside, take a hike, you know, recover, shake out those cobwebs. Once they get back into some action, Don slips a knee and then changes strategy here and just targets the left knee, like out of nowhere. It's just like all of a sudden it's just stomp city on the knee. And of course we go back in history. Tito's got the leg injury from when he was feuding with Greg Valentine. So the the commentators are always quick to mention that. Mixing reality with storyline. Yeah, exactly. Because he really did have injuries and they needed to uh, yeah, take some right. time off. Exactly, yeah. And that's why the title change happened. And, and Greg was, was like, yeah, let me break his leg then, you know, yeah, exactly. and then he can get his knee surgery. So Don does a series of things to his legs. He does like a leg snap. He does like the spinning, he does the spinning toe hold. And then once you got it kind of locked in, then you fall backwards on your own to, you know, to create that momentum and leverage and all that pain. It makes a big boom sound when you're, you know, the aggressor's shoulders hit the mat. Exactly. That percussive noise. So Don uh, basically drags Tito over to the corner, gets on the outside. So now Morocco's standing outside, rams Tito's legs into the corner post on the outside, does it again. Ouch. Comes back in after a little bit of time. Gives Tito a knee breaker, and then he goes back to that spinning toe hold and like the delay, like he he waits and waits and then he falls back on it. So he's really like torturing Tito's leg here, and then he gets him into a move. It's kind of neat. He rolls Tito over on his stomach, and he's kind of got him in like you would call it a grapevine, almost like a submission. It kind of looks like it's almost like he's got him at a crab, but instead of sitting on his back and holding his legs, he's beside him, but with those legs tied up on like Tito's own legs tangled. 
and then bending him, you know, and arching his back. So it's almost like a Boston Crab. Kind of neat. There's another attempt here to spin into a leg lock, but this time he's kicked off and like goes straight to the post for the bump, like underneath the turnbuckle, right to the shoulder to the post. Just looks totally devastating. So it's great because like Tito can't walk, but now Don Morocco's got like a broken shoulder. <laughs> yeah. So Tito's having trouble, but standing, you know, he can barely even get up, but he has enough to block each of Morocco's punches and then return fire. And eventually he's punched him enough times that he can just start landing shots without waiting to block a punch. <laughs> you know, like he, it's almost like a, I can't punch you until you try and attack me. Attack me first. <laughs> yeah. And there's a corner whip for a good bump. And Tito limps in to follow up. More punches. The ref is funny at this point. Seems to approve of these punches. <laughs> he has no problem with all these right hands. Even in the ropes. It's like, he doesn't say a word. Yep. It's kind of weird. He tried. That's Tito right. just is a born rule breaker. So Tito goes for another corner whip attempt, but it's like a triple reversal. And it ends up going back into where they started. Like the same corner. And Morocco whips Tito in there. He runs in with like this big clothesline that just further stuns Santana. And Morocco charges in. It's pretty neat, man. Morocco charges in for a shoulder to the gut. And remember, we've gone to commercial break and come back. I've, I've skipped over, you know, sections of this match. We just don't want to spend too, too much time here. And it's pretty neat. And Tito escapes by, like, leaping up. So his, his butt is up on the top rope and his legs go up. And Morocco, who's going for the shoulder tackle, goes underneath him. Doesn't quite take the, the post bump again. But Tito hooks his legs into, like, Morocco's armpits and flips over for the sunset flip for the one two three yeah really unique finish yeah and it's kind of this the accidental like scientific it's neat because there's a move in wrestling modern wrestling now which this looks like because a sunset flip you don't have your legs hooked the way he does like the starting point that's not the starting point of a sunset flip a sunset no. flip you do you you know you literally jump over to a flip yeah and then you pull them down and then you get your legs on their on their things so there's a move in wrestling that people do it's got different names but it's often would be called a code red and what a code red would look like is basically that position that tito is in where you're almost like sitting on the guy's back with like your legs underneath his armpits and there's like a moment and then it's like it's almost like a power bomb like the flip happens and the guy goes over and instead of being like a roll up for a pin it's like oh you know do a flip and wham and then and, and then you're in that pinning position so that's almost what i thought tito was gonna do for a second i was like oh my god 1987 code red <laughs> but yeah that's uh that that sounds like it takes a lot of cooperation. Oh, of course. <laughs> well, that doesn't don't know all the moves. <laughs> well, sure. Uh, I mean, just, you know, to get all that flesh yes. airborne and spinning, you know, is different from like, you can go on, you could, you could take me down in a sleeper yeah. and like, you know, I could botch my part of it or so, you know what I mean? Like there's yeah. certain moves that, that just don't require as much, can't do that with, a, there are going to be a bunch of wrestlers you can't do that code red with yeah. because of their body type. So Morocco's pretty stunned here. He's kind of like, he doesn't really believe there was a three count. He's sort of like confused. He's like, he's just, you know, looking yeah. at the ref for like, and here's where his, you know, supposed good buddy, Cowboy Bob Orton shows up and he's got his hat on and his vest. He's looking good. And, but he's in there and he's really irate. He's mad at Morocco for like, you know, these losses and he's just pointing at Tito. He's pointing at the corner. He's pointing at whatever. It's all pantomime almost, I would assume. And they're they're arguing quite a bit and it's pretty funny because tito hasn't left the ring and i'd almost like if i'm tito i'm getting out of there like these two two guys are there i'm like you shouldn't be there anymore but he hangs out and eventually through this arguing morocco convinces like bob orton that like you know it's like we're not we're not enemies it's he's the enemy you know like tito so they start kind of cornering tito and then orton kind of waits though he doesn't go in he lets morocco go in by himself and morocco's coming in with like the mr saito mr fuji heel tactic all the bad guys let's shake hands and right, Tito does yeah. not want to shake hands. And then it's kind of weird. Morocco lunges forward, shakes Tito's hand, 
raises his hand and turns back to Orton and he's like kind of taunting Orton with the fact that he's like, we're not going to beat him up. I'm going to congratulate him. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's the dissension ankle where Morocco's like, you know, uh, I kind of took it like Orton's like, he beat you. Now we've got to go kick his ass. Yeah. And Orton's like, they beat Morocco's me fair. Like, yeah, he, he, yeah, yeah. Morocco's like, you know, his tone is quit telling me what to do and I'm not going to just, yeah. I'm not your puppet. And maybe a dash of he beat me fair and square, but yeah. more just two like two bulls, you know. Yeah, just don't like, tell me what to do. Clashing, yeah. yeah. And then for sure enough, like, uh, but a dash of like, Baby face. He beat me, you know, and that's what prevails is yeah. like he, Morocco behaves like the gentleman, even if it's very sneering and more yes. to spite Bob Orton. Exactly. It it's is. like, yeah, he doesn't really want to congratulate Tito, but the fact that he can kind of like, that you pissed me off because by coming and, you know, pointing my, your finger in my face that I lost, yeah. well, then fine, I'm going to. Yeah. And I'm not going to beat him up after the match just because you say. Yeah. You know, I'll do what I want. I don't want to beat him. You told me to beat him up after the match. No, I'm not going to. I'm going to shake his hand, raise his arm yeah. just because like you trying to tell me what to do. Yeah. So then these guys basically argue all the way to the back with each other. Yeah. It's very heated, but there's no blows or any pushing or anything, but it's just very in your face and just... Yeah, and Tito's really cool. He's brave. He's ready for action. Yeah, he yeah. doesn't... <laughs> he just waits to see what happens. That's right. And he doesn't have to fight anymore. That's right. I looked at a August 1st Superstars of Wrestling card. Now, it's neat. We were talking about this before. It appears by list that there's like no July superstar wrestling cards and i'm like i just my memory there's no way there wasn't four or five weeks of wrestling <laughs> you know like there's no way I had like that long without wrestling because that's the only show we had back then so i eat for wwf and i so i'm like yeah that can't that can't be it can't <laughs> i won't i won't i won't anyways this this is the first new one from that stretch it's listed august 1st and here we go it's the superstars of wrestling and bobby heenan introduces a new wrestler as part of a six-man tag so he brings out hercules and Harley Race to the ring with the Harley Race's music. And then they bring out, and they're going to face some jobbers. And then they bring out Ravishing Rick Rude. Oh. Yes. So he's on the scene. And this is his first televised match. And it's interesting. He finishes the match against the jobbers. I didn't even write down who it is. But his finisher is not what you would think it would be. Oh. <laughs> he, it takes him a while to settle on his finisher here when he first starts doing these matches. He finishes the match with a Tully Blanchard-style slingshot suplex. Oh, those are cool. Yeah. I like those. Yeah. Well, I like where Monsoon is, you know, once again, mercilessly rubbing poor Bobby Heenan's failures under his nose. Bobby Heenan's like, Rick Rude, this is the man that's going to bring me the world heavyweight title. He goes, <laughs> well, that's what you said about... Andre and Mr. Wonderful. And, King yeah. Kong Bunny and Benedict Arnold. Yeah, Benedict and then, Arnold. <laughs> you know, and Heenan just looks at him like so miserable. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, no, you're, you're, yeah you're right. <laughs> yeah, just like, yeah, well, you know. <laughs> Poor Bobby. This guy, this yeah. is the one. He's the guy. And I'm like, all these <laughs> other guys are, you know. Yeah, that's awesome. So another thing on this episode actually is Mean Gene's going to host. It's, forget about 1989 SummerSlam. It's August slash July 1987. It's a pose down. It's superstar Billy Graham versus Butch Reed in a pose down. Ah, well, I, I um, kind of squirmed at all the surgical footage. So uh, yeah, you know, yeah, I, we skipped over a, that. But yeah, you just right. Like, I put up a little mental block on. Yeah, this so period. they did a bunch of vignettes of superstar coming back, but it was a really weird choice because there's multiple times they show you the hip surgery he gets, and it's pretty gruesome. Like especially for ten o'clock in the morning for us little kids. TV. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're a doctor, and, okay. And then, like, training. you know, like footage of him rehabbing, like, you know, with a walker trying to get up a hill and falling. And I'm just like, this is weird. I know who this guy is from my tapes. 
and he doesn't look anything like that guy anymore, but that's fine. Like he doesn't have to, but you're kind of showing him. He feels like he's not strong. Like his, he's big and muscular, but I mean, he feels like he's weak because he's got this, like, he's got this injury that they're way overplaying, like in a way, like, I, I don't know. I don't know what they were going for there. Well, my memories are of Jesse really being like, Superstar is so tough, he still wrestles with his earrings in. That's right. Yeah, and he, exactly. and he beats some jobber with a bear hug. Yeah. But apparently, you know, I think I might have seen him talk about that match. Yeah, I remember he said, you talking in about that this, match, yeah. I felt something go pop. And yeah, I was just like. Just, just trying to hold the guy in a bear hug and yeah, yeah. it didn't feel good. Didn't yeah. feel right. And he knew his kids. He knew this was a, uh, yeah, they were going to have to start using him in a different way. But they he he plays a role here over the over 87. We'll see what, you know, as it goes on. So Butch Reed's there with Slick, of course. And, but I'm telling you, man, in the foot, the file I was watching, the audio's not good, but even just barely being able to hear it, it was like superstar, like his entrance music, like that, that's fucking awesome. Like wrestling entrance music. That's true. Yeah. From the musical Jesus Christ Superstar. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, uh, it's very really showy. Hits. Yeah. It really, really hits. You know? Yeah. Yes. Yes. And you know, Superstar's got a bunch of muscles, but, you know, it's not the 70s. He's not ripped Superstar from, like, you know, like his title run and stuff like that. But we see Slick's oiling up Butch Reed. (laughs) It's pretty funny. And they do all these poses, and they're both kind of bulky guys. Like, neither of them are cut, cut, cut. They both have lots of muscles, but, like, not really, like, these guys in a bodybuilding competition would be laughed off the stage, you know, like, as far as, like, they look like they need to go through all that cut and weight stuff or whatever, you know, dehydration to show those muscles. So this all ends with Butch Reed realizes the crowd, as they always do, the crowd always gets to pick the winner, which is like, what's the point of that? Like, is, is it a popularity contest or a muscle contest? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Reed realizes after about the third set of poses, they're supposed to do four each, that he's not going to win. So he just goes straight to the attack. So he starts beating up Superstar, gets him down, and he immediately starts stomping on the hip. And then he gets Superstar's weight belt and he's whipping him with it. And Superstar pulls himself up on the on the ropes. And as soon as he gets back to his feet, like, it's not good for Butch Reed because... Superstar is able to punch him up a bit and chase him off and they leave with him and Slick leave and Superstar doesn't look he's going to the hospital or anything so he's survived one dastardly attack but yeah that's where that's where you get with this and I, I don't think I ever saw this pose down you know even though it was on Superstars or at least I, if I did I forgot about it same here all right. I like this. We are, so this, this one doesn't make me feel as bad as last time. Remember last show, we like looked at a house show in Winnipeg and we were like, why didn't we go? Right. <laughs> okay. So they're here again, August 3rd, which is really strange because in my memory, the WF until like the 91 ish time would come like once a year. And in here, here we are seeing like, this is a, only a couple of months apart here. Like, so that was like a couple of shows. Like that other one was in, let's say, April or May or something. Here they are back in August, August 3rd. This card isn't as juicy. We got Bob Orton Jr. defeating Steve Lombardi. We got Brutus Beefcake defeating Greg Valentine by disqualification. That's a pretty cool, like, you know, post-WrestleMania 3 matchup. That's a big yeah, one. Yeah, that would have, I would have liked to have seen that. We got Kamala defeating Outback Jack. Oh, okay. <laughs> Baron Von Raschke defeating Don Morocco by disqualification. Oh, a little throw out to the Winnipeg. Yeah, the AWA. And then we've got Demolition beating the Bulldogs. Uh, So I would have been excited to go see the Bulldogs, but not on that outcome. Ron Bass pinned Omar Atlas, which is a name I'm seeing a lot on the enhancement side here. And then we've got uh, the Crusher subbing for Junkyard Dog defeated Dino Bravo by forfeit when Bravo refused to wrestle because that's not who he was signed to wrestle against. Wow. And then here's, but here's where the night might make up for itself. We've got a 20-man 
$50,000 Battle Royal. Let me catch these names here. Obviously, all the people we've already seen in the evening. Bravo, Valentine, uh, who else? Uh, Bob Orton, Steve Lombardi, Roos Beefcake, Kamala, Opec Jack, Baron Von Raschke, Don Morocco, Demolition, Dynamite Kid, Ron Bass, Omar Atlas, Brad Rengans. That's the only guy I'm seeing the name that wasn't already in a match. And Sika. And the winner, Davy Boy Smith. Oh, wow. So, yeah, that would have sent me home happy. No kidding. Gee, too bad we missed that one. Yep, yep. Okay, it's the August 3rd primetime, and the neck brace is off. We we skipped over some segments of Bobby Heenan getting called up by Monsoon for his by doctors that he wasn't really injured, and it didn't. we were hoping for comedy gold, but it was pretty snooze fest, so we just skipped past it. But uh, Heenan's finally got the neck brace off. This is where he, this is the part he's talking about uh, Rude winning the, the world title, <laughs> and Monsoon just ridiculing him. That's a Ouch. that's really funny. Part of him saying that, yeah, he doesn't need the neck brace anymore because Rude's going to make sure nobody ever touches him again. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's what you said last time, Brain. <laughs> yeah. On this match, we see Rude versus Jerry Allen. You know, he gets into his mic shtick, the whole, like, yeah. telling everybody in the crowd. Well, they got to wait, you know, three minutes for the MSG mic stand to lower from the ceiling. <laughs> it's right. not just handed over by Finkel. And here we see, this is what I remember being his original finisher before we get to like the rude awakening. Do you remember his original finisher? Obviously not the the, the snaps, the slingshot suplex. I saw in another house show, he did a, he finished a match with a superplex. So neither of those, he mm. had a, he had a submission finisher for a while before he got into the rude awakening. Um, I, uh, oh, was he full Nelson people? No, he was doing the Jesse Ventura style what some people would call Canadian backbreaker submission. So Canadian not, backbreaker. Yeah, I've heard they called that before. So not the Lex Luger Hercules, like across your shoulders backbreaker submission. Yeah. But the, if you were looking from above, you would look like a plus symbol or a cross, you know, because the, you pick a guy up almost like a power bomb, but then you just keep him up, up there. So his head's in front of you, his feet are behind you, he's upside down, you know, facing the sky. And then you just bounce him up and down on your shoulder until they submit. I would say... Imagine a crane, you know, yeah, like yeah, there's yeah, like, because yeah. uh, the longer part is, you know, the, the, you got the, his head is the short part of the crane, the heavy part, and then his legs are the long part of the crane. <laughs> and, you know, the guy doing the back, Jesse Ventura, he is the vertical part of the crane. That's right. Yeah. The horizontal part, the, the victim is the horizontal part of the crane, but yeah. there's more of him on one side. It's, you know. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's neat. I do remember that move, that being his move for a while. And But I mean, I think the Rude Awakening. Canadian backbreaker, eh? Yeah, I'd heard it called that. I don't remember why. I don't know if that was maybe AWA referring to that when Jesse was doing it. Or I don't know Canadian where I was getting that from. Canadian back beacon, eh? <laughs> what Tim Hortons in uh, Take Off. That's right. Bob and Dub, the Great White North. Take Off, eh? <laughs> so that primetime has a update segment on the women's division, which I'm just going to touch on briefly here. We kind of, so we've won, we went, we went from- careful where you touch on those women's sections Oh my God, there, I didn't mister. touch them. Uh, the 10 foot pole, I, I stay away. You watch it. Uh, so we, <laughs> we went from like, you know, Cindy Lauper and Wendy Richter and like top of the card for women's. And then we kind of transitioned to Spider Lady and, and Richter being on the outs. And then for the most part, over this last year and a half or whatever, women's wrestling's really taken a backseat. There was a match at WrestleMania 2, but it doesn't really get, you know, it was really low on the first card. It wasn't important. There is the odd match on a house show. So what you get for the most part over the last, let's say, couple of years is either a Moolah title defense against somebody or they eventually, what they do is they bring up tag champions. So you get Lilani Kai, who used to be, in the, you know, with Moolah and the World Champions thing, a wrestler named Judy Martin. They're these, like, long-time tag champs. So And so they're on a bunch of either television shows or house shows, but they're not really getting the attention. 
But this, around this time, is where there's another little mini push for, like, women's wrestling. And, I mean, other than maybe, like, for WWF, other than, like, you know, Alundra Blaze, you got to wait till, like, you know, the 2010s or whatever. I mean, there's the divas and all that stuff. But then they finally, you know, when we're, we're not watching and then all of a sudden women's wrestling becomes, like, practically half the show or whatever. But back then it was very limited. So they go to an update and it's Moolah defending her title against AWA veteran Sherry Martell. And Sherry's playing like the babyface character and you only get a few seconds of the match. She's uh, she's already on the outside beaten up and she's trying to get back in the ring and Moolah's kicking her off the apron. And then Moolah tries this like body slam from the apron into the ring and Sherry does one of those moves where she like rolls into it and holds on and ties up Moolah and wins the title. So Sherry Martell becomes the WWF Women's Champion during this update and it you know of course she's going to be known much greater as like a valet and manager and all this other stuff this part of her wwf runs mostly forgotten by people that she was actually you know kind of came in as this baby face wrestler but that's that's where they are with like the woman stuff but we're going to see like because they bring in the jumping bomb angels by the time you get to survivor series there's even a woman's match at the first survivor series like which you wouldn't think so at this time because of how underplayed women's wrestling was I just had a little spark of imagination. I wish we'd seen somehow Jimmy Hart versus Cindy Lauper in, you know, wrapped all around the rest of it. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Wouldn't that like have been it, fun? Yeah, if they had wrestlers against each other. In the yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, like, you know, I don't want to bury the Road Warriors or anything, but right, like right. somehow let Cindy yeah. Lauper beat up if, Jimmy if Hart. They, if they didn't leave so quick, you could have had Freebirds versus like three of Jimmy's guys, you know, yeah. like the, the Funks and somebody sure, or whatever. But right? just imagine the pop of Cindy like- Cindy Lauper slapping Jimmy Hart. Yeah, get yeah. your hands on Jimmy Hart. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that would have been fun. I mean, like the time is already like, a, that's like obviously yeah. back to our first three episodes or something yeah, exactly, when Cindy yeah, was yeah. on the scene. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Still though, I mean, we never got to see her in the ring like we, you know. Not much. Yeah. She did the Piper's Pit thing. Where, she like, smacked a couple guys, but yeah. you know, get her in a six man, you know, mixed like. Yeah. Like, yeah I don't yeah. think she wanted to be a wrestler, but I think she definitely could have like slapped somebody. <laughs> That same primetime has another one of these uh, DiBiase vignettes. This time, it's uh, they're bullying a whole t- hotel room desk staff, and uh, they're throwing out a couple from their honeymoon suite. <laughs> oh, that's pretty it's good. It's pretty good. These and the, are... the poor guy is carrying like four four luggages, and his wife's like <laughs> <laughs> bitching at him. <laughs> and that's funny. And then imagine this. And then he turns around, the door's closed. She's still in the room. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's like, Everybody has a price. <laughs> Slip another a couple bills under the door. Oh, the guy goes away. <laughs> <laughs> she stays with the million dollar man and Virgil and the honeymoon suite husband goes packing so I've been looking for a segment Jeff for like the last little while knowing it's coming up and I have no way of verifying if this is actually the first one or not I don't think it is because it's on primetime I know it's not when it originally aired but the first time I've come across watching these shows there's a stage interview in the crowd with Craig DeGeorge but his his interview subject is Ron Bass <laughs> Wow, like, dud and dud. Like, is that really the first one? Actually, I, I'm, you know, I shouldn't. I, I just, yeah, never, Ron Bass is, you know, he's, he's fine. Yeah, he's I just fine. never got to see him in an angle that made him look awesome, and that's all. It's not his fault, and it's not yeah, my fault. I just right. never saw, got to see him kicking butt. So I'm sure he's great. Yeah, but not Craig DeGeorge. <laughs> he's he's not great. So it's wrapping up this card. There's a Tito Volkov match. Only thing of note is that uh, Tito gets a nice flying forearm for the. For the three count. Yeah, that's one of those. I would have put a couple bucks on that if I was looking at them. And I'm like, well, based on Tito's success yes. lately, yeah. you know, he's not going down to Nikolai Volkov. <laughs> no, no, no. 
<laughs> but you know, I will say that I'm loving this Tito resurgence. We started our show here, and like in the first five episodes, we were like, "Why don't you give Tito any respect? He was he was the Intercontinental Champion, but they didn't talk to him or give him ring yeah. entrances." And we were like, "What's the problem here?" Yeah. But now this is this summer of '87. He's beating everybody. Yeah, he's getting more wins and being positioned a little bit better. Uh, so the main event we have here on this card is the Hart Foundation defending against Rick Martel. And because that weasel Tom Zink has left, Rick Martel's partner is the Junkyard Dog. JYD in his sad you know, incarnation. He's, he's not he looking like, good, no. but I'm going to tell you, man, when the that crowd. music hit, that crowd popped. Yeah, they did. They yeah, were really they, excited to see yes, him. Yes, they sure were. They They wanted him. Only they could have but kept him in the gym and off the junk yeah. food. <laughs> um, is that the one with the Canadian flag in the crowd? Yeah, there's a big Canadian flag on the near yeah. side of the ring. With so the, and back, the guys with your back to them. Martel acknowledges it. Yeah, for sure. So I'm watching this thinking, you know, like, okay, so the Can-Am connection may be gone, but the Can still can do. And he's, <laughs> he's going for that gold, you Weasley Bret Hearts. He's coming for it. <laughs> that's right. And, uh, you know, and he's got his fans. So, yeah, he, he, he gives a thumbs up to the Canadian boys. Yeah, that's right. But you're right. The crowd is crazy for JYD. And I'm like, where are they you know like yeah, is yeah. this mid-south or wherever he was yeah, i don't know huge um but alas he doesn't look like an athlete no he's already he's very you know, chubby wrestlemania 3 like he looks you know older and getting heavier and you know and it's not like there's lots of guys that are that are heavier than him it's not even that it's like it's more about like he's not very fast you know like it's yeah. it's, it's affecting his ability to move around and do things so i mean he's got more of a, a george the animal steel body but you know in his yeah. early days he was, he, he, he was yeah he had like he he was a I don't, I'm trying to think of a good comparison yeah. size-wise. I can't really, but, you know, he he wasn't, you know, so pot-bellied. Yeah. So there, there is a couple of pretty funny spots in this match. And Martel's in red trunks, which I noticed is almost like cutting cutting ties with the Can-Am connection thing. He doesn't want that white look, you know, all white. He, you know, he's got to be back. Exactly. <laughs> Tito was talking about, like, the trouble. Like, that he was just telling funny stories. Like, the two of them would be, like having to wash their trunks every night because they got scuffed up and dirty, right? So yeah. they'd be in the hotel washroom in the sink, you know, scrubbing their wrestling tights all white and bleaching and getting them, you okay, know, just yeah. like the, the non-glamorous life yeah, of sure. uh, Rick Martell and <laughs> Tito Santana, you know, cleaning their tidy whiteies together, you know, like, <laughs> I'm going to get them ready for tomorrow. Other, I guess you didn't have to do that with other gear. Yeah, maybe not as much, at least for the, the white ones. So there is a nice spot where, like, Martel's on fire and he hits, like, two straight arm drags on Bret Hart. Like, bang, bang, super lightning fast. Then Jim Neidhart runs in, bang, another arm drag. Yeah, he looks and awesome. Then He's fantastic. And then Martel gets up to give him another, the, the second arm drag to Jim Neidhart. And Jim Neidhart does this thing where he, like, turns and walks away. Like, enough of this. Yeah. I've had it with you. But he walks right into the junkyard dog. So junkyard dog reels back to punch him. And, and Neidhart's like, whoa! And he turns yeah. and he turns around and then Martel punches him in the face. And Anvil does this amazing, like, all like, like yeah. looks like he's all drunk and stuff. Martel's really got funny. so much energy. He, and then, yeah, and Martel, like you said, just, yeah, he's just clapping and, and hopping. dancing and hopping. Yeah, he's, <laughs> so you know, funny. I love it because it reminds me, you know, this is my first baby face champ, you know? So That's right, I'm yeah. just loving it. And I'm, I'm sitting here going, you know, and he's going to, and he's going to get you. It's just a matter of time. We get yeah. rid of that Tom's zinc dead weight. <laughs> and uh, we got a lot of weight now, but don't worry. That's Tito's right. coming. Tito's coming. Tito's coming. Yeah, so JYD does end up in the in the ring for quite a while, getting beaten on, and there's a but there's a hot tag, and it's AWA champion Rick Martel coming in like House of Fire. It's yeah, pretty great. He was you know, back ass. body drops and just like doing everything. It's yeah, pretty he great. Looks great in this match. 
And then uh, there's an anvil trip to stall that. So that's where I really noticed that Canadian flag in the front row on the camera side and everything. And that was pretty neat. It's a very long beatdown on Martel. He takes a lot of damage and JYD keeps coming in and distracting the ref and that's not working out for them. Yeah. And the false tags, of yeah. course. There was a tag, wasn't seen. Yeah. There's a pretty cool. So after one of these, oh, that's a good question. It's really brightly that, lit. That, so uh, I think it might be like a, a like a McMahon was, and Bruno. Okay. And, I watched a lot, so I'm, I forget yeah. now. It wasn't Lord Alfred Hayes and uh, Johnny V, was might, it? Might might have been. Eh, yeah, well, that, somewhere around there. Just I can't really. Yeah. Know. So Bret Hart o- holds Martel open behind the ref's back while he's escorting Dog out. It's really neat. So Anvil goes for one of his, you know, patented drop kicks, but he, Martel moves out of the way. So like Anvil drop kicks Bret Hart. It's it's really nice. funny. Yeah, I really like it. Or pardon me, that was Junkyard Dog who was being held. So he he gets out another hot tag. And so Martel gets in, and it's really funny. Pardon me. I had it right in the first place. It was Martel. He tags uh, Junkyard Dog. Dog comes in, hot tag, starts beating the guys up. Pretty quickly, Martel comes back in, and it's like a four-way. Like, they're just, they're beating them up. It's it's pretty funny. So there's this double corner whip into Anvil. So Anvil's already beaten up in the corner, and they double whip right into him, and he does this awesome job of, like, spinning. Incredible. <laughs> like, he just, oh, he hits and spins. pink blob yeah. of destroyed heart foundation. Yeah. <laughs> it's like open heart. It's like the superstar, it's like the surgery footage, you yeah, know, like, yeah, yeah, he yeah, just... Yeah. You know, long darts himself, yeah. into oh man, and spins and flies in the air and hits the mat. And it's so great, yeah. yeah. That, that was one of the most fun double whip, you know, heels beating each other, getting you know, like they're just yeah, 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 and they fall into a heap. Jim and Brett, and they're just this big pink. Yeah. So there's a weird ending pile. to the match, and I don't even understand what happens. So it's a move I've never seen, like a modified. It's a hard, it's a heart attack, but it's from the corner. So like not a whip, not I, a, not I, a running, not a run, not a running one. So like Anvil, I can't remember if he rakes dog eyes but he basically he goes from getting beaten up to all of a sudden lifting junkyard dog into the you know the bear hug kind of position where you'd be for a heart attack clothesline yeah and bret hart goes to the top rope and they're really close to him so he has to kind of dive down not out you know like and he does this clothesline and they all hit the mat in big noise but then the bell rings immediately yeah Everybody's and, confused. Yeah, there's like this mystery DQ win for the good guys, and they never explain Weak. what the DQ is. Yeah, like a just a double team. Like yeah, they, they that's the commentators say it. like, oh, there wasn't a tag, so they just the ref DQ'd him because he didn't leave the ring, and it's just like what? Didn't Bad make finish. Any sense. Didn't make any sense. No, it, except for that the crowd gets to cheer Rick Martell and and JYD, but it, it, I was confused. Like that never happens. Yeah, exactly. You know, you're gonna, you're gonna. Dis- it was a, a modified heart attack, and that was enough to cost them the match. Like, what? Yeah. Mind you, I didn't want to see Rick Martel get pinned by this modified heart attack either. Hey, Junkyard Dog could take a pin. <laughs> I would have been okay with that DQ or something, but it, it was strange. It was like, yeah, but it was there were some neat spots, and that yeah, that double whip into the corner was worth the price of admission. And I'm just, I'm for me, I'm like Marta, the Canadian boys. He's on his march to that gold, and he's coming for it. So right. I, I like yeah. this match because I know it's coming up. That's right, Heart Foundation. You're on notice. That's right. <laughs> what a turnaround! Ignited by the missile. And here comes Martel in to help out. Oh boy, I'll tell you. That ought to make you hear a few birds singing. Heads like that. Oh, wow. Red Hart flies right against the anvil. Did you see the way with what force it threw him against him? Oh, beautiful maneuver. Moving along to an August 8th Superstars Wrestling Edition and the battle for Bam Bam is continuing week to week. And one of the things we see here is Jimmy Hart is out. And they do these segments, like I said, just with Jesse, like just kind of standing there with the manager and they're kind of in in their mind, they're still, they got him. He's going to be my guy. And then, and then really quickly, like it's, there's no back and forth. (laughs) Jesse just like reveals, 
you're out. <laughs> it's, it's pretty weird. But again, I like the buildup for Bam Bam and made him seem really important as a kid. So I th- th- think that was pretty cool. There is an interesting and very important six-man tag match on this Superstars. One of those rare, pretty decent matches. Although it's a little bit confusing. We have on the one side, Hillbilly Jim, Junkyard Dog, and Tito Santana. Versus Cowboy Bob Orton, Don Morocco, and Joe Murto. <laughs> Huh? <laughs> it sounds like one of those AWA like you know ha- half tag teams like yeah. Jesse and Jobber versus the High Flyers. <laughs> Jake the Milkman Milligan. Yeah. Oh. So the important thing here is this match is not about the good guys. It's about the bad guys. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not about Joe Murdo either. So yep. so it, there is an interesting point near the end of the match, and Orton he tries Morocco's front pile driver, but he's like taunting. Dom Rocco, you know, he's got him up in the position. I forget which of the guy he has. I think it's Tito, to be honest. But because Billy and JYD are so big that I'm imagining Cowboy would rather love Tito. <laughs> yeah. So, and but, but through his taunting of Dom Morocco, he stalls too long. And Tito manages to sort of slip out the back door and reverse yep. it. And But the bad guys do maintain the advantage from there. And then Dom Morocco comes in. So he wants to show, you know, Bob Orton, I can do it better. So he, he goes to he goes to put Tito up on the top rope for the superplex. And Bob Orton comes down the apron and like blocks blocks it. He grabs the legs and pushes him down. Dom Rocco looks at him like Arr! So he tries it again and same thing, blocks it again. And then there's a distraction and Morocco does lift Santana fully up to put him up there, and Orton gives them a shove, which lands oh. Santana on top of Morocco for the three count. Oh wow. <laughs> so as you can imagine, this doesn't go well. Oh. So it's this huge argument, which finally, after all these clues and hints and all this evidence that I never saw as a kid, (laughs) it all erupts and these guys just totally go to blows and they just fight all the way in the ring on the outside and then all the way down the ramp, you know, the, the, the aisle, like the, you know, the entrance ramp or whatnot, it's not a ramp, but you know, the, the hallway all the way to the back. So they fight all the way to the back. And I guess, you know, this is really the breakup of Orton and Morocco. And again, as a kid, I just went from like, Don Morocco's the baddest of the bad to oh, Don Morocco's a good guy. What? <laughs> yeah. He's got a nice colorful tie dye shirt on. He's teamed up with uh, superstar Billy Graham and yeah. we're supposed to cheer him now. Exactly. Yeah. So this being that this was on superstars, this would have been on our TV. But like I said, there was that sort of period. This would have been one of those weeks that I missed, you know, one of those two weeks. But because to me, the funny thing is that I did find out way after the fact that Don Morocco was involved with superstar story. And that's how, to me, that's how he turned into a good guy. But I didn't really realize what the break, you know, I I still didn't know this breakup part, like why he wasn't with Orton anymore. I just thought he just changed his color, so to speak. You know, he just, he changed dressing rooms, put put on a white hat, you know. Look at this, got a suplex him. No, Orton doesn't want him to go up. He doesn't want him to go up. Wait up. Oh, you know what it was? Morocco was trying to use the super, but look at that. I can't believe Orton did that. How about that? Who are your winners? The team of the Junkyard Dog, Hillbilly Jim, and Tito Santana. Tito Santana, the Junkyard Dog, and Hillbilly Jim victorious. And they had their job made a little bit easier for themselves this week because of Orton and Morocco not being able to get along. You know what I think the problem is? Orton tried to do Morocco's hold. Morocco came back and tried to do Orton's. It didn't get as much attention on Saturday night's main event, and therefore, it is, uh, you know, a bit of a secondary storyline to some people. That's right, yeah. 
And I'm wondering, like, you know, where's Fuji? You know, he's nowhere to be found, of course, because like, what would he do, right? Like, it wouldn't. It's it's convenient for him not to be around because would he be taking sides? Would he would he be clobbering Morocco with a cane or something? You know, who knows, right? So they just left him out of it. Yeah, Mar- uh, poor Orton though. Like, talk about being passed around. You know, Piper to Jimmy Hart to Fuji. You know, the guy just yeah. can't find a stable home. He's like That's a foster right. kid. Poor guy. <laughs> Well, Piper left, so he would have been out of job one way or the other. <laughs> I did note on this episode, because there's a squash match, that uh, Demolition does have their music. Uh-huh. It's got no lyrics, though. So uh-huh. they have the they have the music without the lyrics. Uh, I see. The lyrics come for the good guy, Demolition. Here comes the moon dog and a wrist mask superstar. <laughs> we do get one of those stage interviews that I love so much, and it's with Heenan and the Islanders, and they're basically talking about Martell and how he can quit now because the other guy did. They're actually referencing Tom Zink quitting and they're Ooh, laughing how they're going to, you know. little backstage. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting. There are people throwing garbage at them. And twice, it's the craziest thing. Like Bobby is like so lucky. Like, it, I don't know if it's a crumpled up piece of paper, paper cup. I don't know what it is, but this thing's got heat on it. It's like a, you know, Major League Baseball player whipped it at his head and it misses by like an inch and it comes like right at the camera. Like, and that happens huh. twice. You see other things falling around them and like missing, but these two, twice in a row, like in about five seconds apart, these things just whiz past Bobby's head and he doesn't flinch. He doesn't even know. I don't know if he doesn't see them or he just, you know, just doesn't want to break character, but it's really neat because it's like 3D. Reminds me of poor Uncle Elmer's wife who got hit yes, in the yes. face with a pop can at her wedding. It's right. <laughs> The other thing of note on this episode is at the end of the show, One Man Gang uh, has been, you know, abusing his jobbers week to week. And in this particular week, he won't be stopped. So he keeps on beating up his jobber and the refs come out and then he beats up the ref. And then another jobber comes out and he beats up the other jobber. So he ends up getting fined because he basically, he beats up too many people. I like it. Everyone's getting front front suplexes. That's kind of was his finisher at the moment. Ah. Let's move along to the August 10th primetime edition. We're seeing one of those DiBiase updates. He's narrating his own arena footage. And to keep it simple, he's just, uh, he's paying a guy to kiss his foot. Disgusting. (laughs) What rich people don't want their feet kissed by people they don't know. (laughs) Oh, boy. I I would think he's like going to get his foot cleaned after those dirty, scrubby, slammy lips on his precious... (laughs) <laughs> million dollar feet that's right so we got another stage interview on this show as well and Martell it's it's Rick Martell talking about Tom Zink talking about Tom Zink leaving and how he's going to take on the Islanders in singles matches and he can't be stopped and he's it's quite funny he's got the total Miami Vice look going <laughs> he's, he's got the Don Johnson clothing going on and it's pretty it's pretty funny I, I thought it was you know kind of a neat look for Rick Martell but they're they're pushing this narrative. They're keeping it going. There is a match on here that from the women's division in those those tag champs I talked about, Lani Kai and Judy Martin, and they're facing off against the Jumping Bomb Angels, which were something that became an exciting thing in 1987. They're really great. I can't remember if you ever said that you saw any of their matches or not, but they wrestled a very different style for 1987. Like they really were way ahead of their time. I think I missed those pay per views or whatever. Wherever they appeared, I missed it. Well, they were on the original Survivor Series. Beyond that, I think they might have... We'd have to look it up. I think they might even be on like the first... I think the very first Royal Rumble card might have a, wow. uh, a women's match. Like a Lost match in a memory it. shuffle. Yeah. But the one neat thing is that actually it's interesting because... The, the heels, the heel ladies, uh, they, they actually win the, ma- the match. And the, the most interesting about the Jumping Bomb Angels, not the Jumping Bomb Angels, but the, uh, the, other, the heels, is they're using a powerbomb finish 
Judy Martin does gives power bombs in 1987, and that was like a move that I can't remember seeing until a little bit later. You know, like I'm sure there were people doing it, but I mean, shit, there's there's footage of Luthez doing one in black and white, but everyone says that's like he dropped the guy, and that's how, that's yeah. how the move got invented. <laughs> he Oops. was lifting the guy, and he dropped him, and it was like, hey, that looked cool. <laughs> right, power bomb, jumping yeah, power bomb angels. Right. There's an the end of that prime time. You can tell it's from Madison Square Gardens. There's a Bulldogs Heart Foundation tag match. Uh, title match be very quick here don't want to get too blow for blow because uh you know we've we've talked a lot about these matches but it's it's a good it's a good match the usual matilda chase happens but i like the little twist on it this time after they chase you know the heels out of the ring as dynamite's working with the attendant to get matilda to safety the heart foundation attack davy boy <laughs> so he's getting double teamed well you know dynamite's distracted by the dog oh and yeah so they kind of they find these little wrinkles of how to make the opening a little bit different and there is a really funny spot in the match where there's a, it's a really neat, uh, like a blind uh, tag happens to Anvil. So he comes into the ring and Davy Boy doesn't know he's coming in, but Davy Boy manages to like set it up so that he like does a drop down and then Bret Hart runs into Anvil anyway. So it, like they, they, they make you think that Davy Boy's going to get clobbered because he doesn't know Anvil's coming in because uh-huh. it's, it's one of those like behind the back tags like, right. where he can't see it. But, but the announcers are like, oh no, he doesn't know he's coming. And then no, he still gets him clobbered. Love it. Yeah. So there's, there's some, there's some really good moves and stuff. The only thing of really of interesting note was Davy Boy he does this uh, corner monkey flip which is not that strange but he does a second rope knee drop in the match which I can't remember ever seeing him do so that was like a little you know something different because they certainly you know had they had their set of moves and they would roll through them and right and that that's one that looked a little different so at the end here actually the way the match goes there's a distraction and it's pretty the, the Bulldogs actually they, this is an interesting in the match quick tags you know, the Bulldogs never tag. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's frustrating. It's like one guy's in there for seven minutes yeah, or whatever. Right. It's like they're actually doing, you know, not, not uh, high flyers or anything, but they're still doing, for them, quick tags. Ah. And, you know, of course they do. Dynamite does take a beating for a while. But at the end of the match, uh, there's this whole spot. There's a couple, well, I'll get, there's two spots I want to get to. One is that they uh, they set up Dynamite. He's all beaten up and they try to do the, the double team whip where like the one Heart Foundation member whips the other one into the prone guy. And it's pretty great because like dynamite moves, so Brett takes the uh, the sternum first, and then Anvil charges dynamite, and he back body drops him over the top rope. <laughs> nice. So, that, so that's a pretty great, pretty great thing. Like I said, Dave Boy comes in from there, does a whole bunch of shit. He power slams Brett Hart. Looks like he's gonna get the pin, but Brett's on the uh, gets gets his foot on the ropes. We'll skip ahead to the very end of the match where Jimmy Hart is able to distract the ref, and Jim is able to trip Davy Boy while he's suplexing Bret Hart from the apron to the inside. And Bret Hart gets the pin on him. Is that necessary? Yeah. I ask you. Well, it was a title match and they had to hold on to the title some way. So the interesting thing, you know, the, the weird thing at that point too is that Dynamite wasn't beat up. So he doesn't come in like, where's Dynamite? Like, you know, like, why is he, you, like, Jimmy's distracting the ref. He's not distracting Dynamite. <laughs> like, why did Dynamite just stand on the apron and just do nothing? But the fun thing is the Bulldogs beat up the Hart Foundation after the match. Ah, <laughs> uh, good. And they, uh... Jimmy Hart gets press slammed and launched onto Anvil. So that's pretty fun. Davey, Davey Boy grabs little tiny Jimmy and throws him. So it's always it's always fun to see that. Your thousand weapons won't save you tonight, Jimmy. Not tonight. Let's get to the August 15th Superstars of Wrestling. And we've got DiBiase doing a limo entrance with his actual familiar million dollar man suit. So he's start, starting to come together. We're starting to see Ted take on like the persona of the million dollar man. The silver and the purpley pink. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I... I I'd have to go back and look, but I'm pretty sure Virgil's in his, you know, got his outfit at that point too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Better than the uh, peekaboo dancer, you know? <laughs> <laughs> too much information outfit. 
we find out on this episode that the one man gang has been fined $10,000 and on probation for his oh. abusive officials and all this stuff. For smoking in the locker room. And this is, this is kind of fun. They do a, uh, Pile Driver, the album update. <laughs> right. The now songs Co- are coming Coco out. Beware steps to the Well, floor. that's a big one, but there's lots of them, right? So there's there's lots of songs coming up, and there's they uh, from week to week, we're going to start seeing them bring people in, like different musical professionals, sort of making comments about how great this album is and right, stuff like that. Right, yeah. So, Rock and wrestling makes a brief, you know. Come back, yeah. <laughs> oh, the old boy may be barely breathing, but the heart of rock and roll is still beating. <laughs> On the update segment here, they show us that, actually, pardon me, it's an interview. We now see after Sherry Martell's won the title, she all of a sudden, she turns heel by announcing herself as now being sensational Sherry, and the voice has changed, and, you know, she's got this personality now, like, that she didn't have before. So we go from sort of cookie-cutter, good guy, good woman wrestler to the crazy heel that she would become, so that's kind of fun. And they do a segment of Honky Tonk Man and Jimmy Hart or at some sort of like music recording for his new song, Hunka Hunka Bird in Love, which is on the Pile Driver album. I mean, that's the Elvis song. He, he's got honky love, isn't you know? Hunka Hunka Bird in Love, isn't that? What's well, the way he says it? I, you might be right. He might pronounce it honky honky, but I think they, I think on the screen it said hunka hunka. Okay. Well, yeah. I'm not a, an Elvis aficionado, but I you yeah. know, think that's pretty close to the actual song. Yeah. It makes sense. Okay. So they, they honky, get honky they get honk, they get honky up on the stage in front of this audience and they 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 boo him and stuff and it's you know, it's probably all set up and everything, but it's still it's still fun and he's just still pulling his shtick that everyone loves him. You're and, beautiful. <laughs> exactly. Now tonight the guests that we have are a couple of entertainers themselves. They have a new album coming out called the Pile Driver album, the wrestling album. Would y'all please put your hands together and welcome to the stage the Honky Tonk Man and his manager, the Colonel Jimmy Hart. (laughs) Who cares about an anniversary for an overweighted has-been It's dead and gone? I'm talking about the Honky Tonk Man. I'm talking about somebody that's the king of rock and roll right now. And if Elvis Presley was alive today... He couldn't keep up with the honky-tonk man. He'd be dying on the vine with the kind of music the honky-tonk man's playing. I've got the number one song on the pile-driving album. We find out that Johnny V's now out of the running for Bam Bam. And here we go. This is the important part. The stage interview with Heenan. So Craig DeGeorge suggests that Orndorff would have an issue with Heenan calling Rude the best physique. Pardon me, Rude's not physically there. It's Heenan talking about Rude. Heenan's excited to have Rude in the, in the Heenan family and keeps going on about he has the best physique. And Craig DeGeorge's like, well, I don't think Paul Orndorff would say that. And he's like, oh, he's, he's, he's ecstatic to have him. I'll have him here next week to, you know, to tell you just exactly that. He's just a, that much better. <laughs> it's just sort of the setup of obviously we know Paul Orndorff. <laughs> yeah, he won't be taking those comments very kindly. That's right. So he says next week he's going to bring out Paul Orndorff to, to say just those words. An interesting thing we have happening is Rick Martel has a, has a jobber match, but the after it's over and he gets his, his victory, the Islanders attack. Hopping, clapping, and then getting stomped. Uh-oh. Yeah, so they're beating him up, but wait a minute. From this Spanish announce desk comes Tito Santana. Ah, the birth of Strike Force. That's, <laughs> That's how right. it happened. Yeah, Tito comes in and they kick ass and they chase the Islanders off, ah. which is super awesome. And uh, they they leave together, like, ar- you know, arms around each other and just, you know, obviously having this big conversation in front of the camera. <laughs> Pantomime, but it's, it's pretty great. And this, I love this man. This just, because this makes me know that I've, that I saw this man before we found him this year. Or pardon me, last year. So as part of the pile driver stuff, they go to a segment with Cal Rudman. Oh. Yeah, and they announce him as... Because you know how I told you that he had the... Um, 
the Monday morning quarterback or whatever thing. It was, a, it was an industry magazine for the music industry because Cal, okay. Cal had a big influence in that in his career. This is the guy from Philly. So they announce him as – it doesn't say Cal Rudman like Spectrum Wrestling or Philadelphia or, you know, anything. It doesn't, doesn't allude to – you know, if you weren't watching Spectrum, you have no idea who this guy is. They just say like Cal Rudman, you know, Monday morning quarterback or whatever the hell his uh, magazine's called. And yeah, he talks about pile driver. It's nothing too funny or anything, but it was just, you know, I just, I popped for seeing Cal Rudman, you know, outside of a Philly broadcast. I thought that was so cool. Right, right. Yeah. If you didn't Spectrum. Yeah, yeah. yeah I see yeah. what you mean. Only Spectrum viewers know Cal. Exactly. Okay, so yeah. they didn't make, okay, uh-huh. Wow. So Monday morning magazine, and it, it makes it sound like football. I know exactly. <laughs> yeah. Quarterback? <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess just. Something like that. Yeah. Okay. I, don't, I don't know what it's but all about. Music. So <laughs> what does he do then, Cal? It's like a. 10 second, 15 second, like, oh, this album's gonna, you know. Oh, about Piledriver. Yeah, exactly. Ah. He's just, he's one of these celebrity, you know, because sometimes they'll have, I think on a different one, they use like, say, like a producer, like somebody who's got a little bit of a name credibility in the music industry or something. So yeah, these sort of like BC level celebrities that, you know, the average person maybe doesn't know, but if you're really, really into it, you might know who Cindy they are. Cindy Lauper's husband. Exactly. <laughs> I listened to wrestling album number two, Pile Driver, and I was really amazed at how surprisingly excellent it was. The production is crisp and the engineering is first rate. Obviously, no stone was left unturned. This episode also features the in-ring debut of Ted DiBiase, and he wrestles the jobber Jerry Allen, who gets a lot of uh, airtime this year. We see, we've seen him in a lot of important matches, and he actually uses the Million Dollar Dream finish because I'll, we'll, we'll talk about it down the road, but Million Dollar Man starts off with three finishers, and that's what I liked about this era is like guys didn't always just have the one move. They get to it. <laughs> they switch to that where it's pretty much everyone just has one finisher, and then they'll have other special moves, let's call it. But in this one, he does a Million Dollar Dream, but... It's not a submission. It turns into a pinfall because he does the million dollar dream for a while. And then with that locked in, he does a Russian leg sweep. Okay. And then he pins the guy. Nice. Yeah. So it's interesting that it's like, it looks a lot different. Mm. Wrapping up here as we get to our finale, we're going to get to our main event coming up, the six man elimination tag team match, but uh, just a tiny bit more to go here. Stick with us. So it's the August 22nd superstars edition. And there's more stuff on pile driver. And this is where we find out about jive soul bro. <laughs> Uh, okay, the song. The that's slick, slick. Yeah, slick song, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, too good. <laughs> it's, it's one of the best theme songs of the era, I think. You know, it's true. I um, hesitate to even, you know, sing it. Yeah, we'll play, we'll, we'll throw a little, uh, we'll throw a little 10 second taste in here just so we can hear it behind as we talk about it. But it's a lot of fun and I just, I remember, look, it, you know, it lasted a long time. It was, there was a lot of great, era, you know, themes that were written at this era uh, by the musician that they, they worked with at uh, the WWF to do all this stuff. And this is, this is one of the great ones. So after uh, this, this episode, there's a, Butch Reed has a jobber match, but afterwards he invites superstar Billy Graham down to the ring. And uh, it's pretty funny. Superstar does come down and gets in and Butch Reed tries to attack him, but he ends up just getting clobbered and runs away. <laughs> so it's pretty funny. Oh, Ricky Steamboat, everybody beats you up. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's Butch Reed? I know. Well, remember Butch Reed, he uh, sold for Tito. Yeah. But when he uh, went after the IC belt, Ricky just, 80% of the match was Ricky getting oh, yeah, battered absolutely. around. It just makes, why? Why can't Ricky ever look <laughs> Why can't Ricky ever be winning? That's right. 
We find out on this episode that Fuji's out of the running for Bam Bam. And here we go, an interview with Craig DeGeorge and Tito and Rick. And this is the birth of the name. So they it's an interview in the almost like in a dressing room. There's mirrors in the back. I don't know if they're, it looks like they're like backstage at like Broadway or something instead of a wrestling dressing room. I'm, I'm not quite sure what this dressing room is. Well, they could have called it the Can Mex Connection. That's right. You know? Hey, or, I you like know? that. Yeah, yeah, Or they yeah. could have, you know, been like, we got you cornered. America, we're coming. <laughs> yeah. It'll be a heel team. That's right. The North-South invasion. Yeah, Tito should have should have turned with Rick at the same time. That's right. <laughs> the North-South invade the border crashers. Yeah, so that's where Tito says he's going to be with Rick Martel from now on, and they're going to be striking with force. And then Martel thinks about it for a second and says, that doesn't sound too bad. Strike force. So that's exactly where they get their name. Ah, well, I did notice that Tito has a crack at the Intercontinental title uh-huh. before Macho Man takes over. Yeah. And uh, he is wearing his Strike Force tights. Oh, okay, nice, yeah. Trunks. Trunks, yes. Yeah, he... Uh, Newsflash, spoiler alert, Tito does not win the Intercontinental belt (laughs) from Honky Tonk, but the crowd was really, it was a fun match. Oh, yeah. And uh, Tito looks good, as he usually does. And, uh, you know, there was a certain, like, people were thinking, that's it, he's getting the belt back, and McMahon is like, oh, my God. The third time. (laughs) Yeah, it was was a great match. So it's actually a golden era for Tito. For sure. Here's our final bit before we get to our main event. This is a uh, stage interview. As promised, Heenan's back with Paul Orndorff. Deja vu all over again. And he's here to get Paul to admit that he's glad to have Rude in the family. So comes Paul Orndorff with him in his red robe, looking pretty pissed off. But Paul Orndorff had a pissed off look most of the time. It was actually yeah. pretty good. He kind of yeah. kept that pretty consistent. Good guy, bad guy, whatever. Yeah. And this is where he says, tell them, tell them how much better he, tell them how much better Rude is than you. He's just kind of really, you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> where do you think that's going to go? So Paul says, he does not agree, does not have a better body than Mr. Wonderful. And he's sick and tired of lying for Heenan. And he takes off the robe and the crowd's, you know, starting to cheer. And, you know, we're seeing some of that baby face stuff that was happening while he was a bad guy. And the reason the reason for it. So once again, for the second time on TV, Paul Orndorff fires no. Bobby Heenan. <laughs> and announces his new manager, Oliver Humperdinck. Yeah, I believe we've already covered this territory. Yeah. Maybe on our Patreon. Oh, good chance. Yeah, I think on Orndorff, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. we've got a whole tribute to Paul Orndorff and the clothesline heard around the world on our Patreon channel or Yeah, it's, it's uh, you go to patreon.com forward slash legendary wrestling obsession. That's how you get to that page. And there's a couple options to sign up and help out these two guys here with uh, you know, these the expenses of broadcasting this amazing show to everybody. That's right. We're heading into retirement uh, someday. <laughs> 50 plus. We got to think about the future. <laughs> but um, so uh, anyway, I guess we'll have to say it again. Oliver Humperdinck, I was aware that he existed from the magazines. Yeah. But uh, when I think about him in the WWF, I don't have any really very good memories. Not like I, he was he just he was just there. I, I don't ever really. Yeah, he was confusing because Lou Albano had been gone for a while. He was sort of this good guy manager when there wasn't good guy managers. And I wasn't sure what it was he was bringing to the table. No, and also, hey, he was like, I didn't, wasn't aware of all the things he'd done in other other companies. So to me, it was sort of like, hey, this guy's in the back. And they just threw a j- really ugly jacket on him and said, hey, you're going to be a manager. <laughs> you know, like. Yeah, there was no point to it. It um, wasn't, uh, I was dubious when he was introduced. Yeah. And 
it, it, it went nowhere particularly uh humperdink i yeah. I, I wasn't like cheering him i no. liked i liked albano a lot better than humperdink i don't yeah, know why yeah. I just and, and orndorff didn't didn't need a mouthpiece no so i can't remember if bam bam's really was much of a talker at this stage of his career or not so maybe he needed a bit of help but i don't know humperdink's not a great speak talker either so <laughs> you know and uh, yeah, I guess maybe what maybe he could take bumps from the heels beating up a face manager, but I don't remember that happening either. Yeah, no, we would have to. Maybe we'll come across a, a match where he does something and gets to punch out Bobby or somebody, but I I doubt it. He wasn't there, to, you know, for our enjoyment. He was just he was just there taking up space. Yeah, it's also when you're 15, hard to ignore Humperdink. You're just like you know. <laughs> no, yeah, that name was just ridiculous. that name. Yeah. Yeah. I was not. I don't. I wasn't mature enough then, and I'm the same old yeah. <laughs> reprobate. You know, he, he probably would have done a lot better if they would have brought him in as a heel manager. But they had too many heel managers. They didn't need a heel manager. But I mean, I think he well, would have fit better as a heel manager. I guess in today's woke era, Humperdink has a whole new meaning today. <laughs> <laughs> you will like that name, Mister <laughs> Mister Hate Man. <laughs> Okay, that wraps up all that setup. Let's get to that six-man elimination tag team match. What about the family? I want to tell you what I think of Rick Rude and the family. That's what I think. And I'm going to tell you something else. I want to tell you something else that you've heard before. You're... So as a main event for you, dear listeners, this week on Legendary Wrestling Obsession, and please do send us your letters and your stories of watching the WWF or what you might have watched before the WWF, your memories of trying to get your hands on pay-per-views or watching the weekly shows. Uh, Tell us your stories because it uh, sparks our own stories. So here's a really, we like the unusual, the uh, the unpredictable, things that get our imagination going. Unthought of. The unthought of. You know, these these tournaments that we never heard of are just so exciting to to learn of. You know, there, there are certain matches that don't get us excited because we know that a title didn't change hands. A title defense that we might read up on, we, we know the history and uh, in, maybe there's some kind of dusty finish or an, a hidden title reign that wasn't yeah, acknowledged. Yeah. But generally speaking, when we see that Hogan, you know, defends his title against uh, Hercules, you know, that match may not be particularly of interest to us because we know uh, the storyline. This one... Anything can happen. You've got six different wrestlers, so people could put their finishers. You know, like people with status could take a loss, a clean one, two, three, without really, and especially right now, we got on the heel side, all champions. I mean, they look so good just getting into the ring. They've all got the gold (laughs) around. And not only that, like these are like, these are the best looking tag belts anywhere. Oh yeah. yeah. My favorite looking tag belts. This intercontinental title belt is for me as beloved as any other one and looks as good. These two versions of these belts are, they lasted a long time especially the tag belts. The tag belts were around forever. They finally went to this weird gladiator kind of uh, Roman soldier helmet thing kind of look. And uh, it, they look, they suck. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> it's amazing how often I look at a title belt and say, meh, could be better. You know, yeah. like the, I, for example, I went in for a laugh. I watched uh, Santarello. Okay, yeah, Santino de- Morella. Defend against Honky Tonk, 
with a really ugly IC belt. Yeah. He had an intercontinental belt, title belt that looks so weak compared right. to just not as classy at all. And, and on poor Honky, the crowd didn't care. It was it was actually a bit heartbreaking um, because it just uh, they, these people didn't know Honky Tonk. Anyway, <laughs> it just didn't work. You know, yeah. I mean, you would think it was. I was like, oh boy, this is gonna be fun. And he came out and you know threw a few insults, but I guess some scriptwriter made him. And uh, they, the crowd wasn't laughing. No, oh, boy. It didn't work. And Santino uh, loses after uh, the Aunt Glamazon grabs Honky's leg. So it was yeah. all around weak. And it was an ugly belt. <laughs> Most importantly. But these belts are beautiful. And also, Honky came to the ring without his own phony belt. I was at least give me your rhinestone, you know, Elvis belt that looks like you could be some kind of champion, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially because he had, you know, his gut was bigger at this point. So, you know, mind you, he thinks heels should have beer bellies. Okay. Uh, Honky Tonk believes oh, really? in the beer okay. belly. Yeah. Well, they, he and Jim Cornette complained about the cookie cutter look of wrestlers today. Yeah. You know, uh, so Honky Tonk thinks there's nothing wrong with a beer gut on a on a heel. So I think that, you know, Honky Tonk looks great with his rhinestone outfit and, and the gold belt around his waist. The Heart Foundation look awesome in their pink outfits and their silvery tag team belts that meant so much to us because we didn't want the Heart Foundation to be wearing those belts. <laughs> it was <laughs> injustice. Make our blood boil. But this is... Jimmy Hart's Broken Bones Club Band with all the gold. How can you complain? This is like J.J. Della and this is Paulie Dangerously with the Parade of Champions. Like, yeah. you know, this is poor Bobby Heenan crying into his microphone on right. primetime wrestling. Anyway, they look great. And you're just like now that we're, uh, you know, able to enjoy guys that we booed uh, then, I just love it. I love seeing Jimmy yeah. Hart, like, uh, <laughs> you know, with all the champs. Meanwhile, the real faciest face of these faces at the moment <laughs> is oddly enough jake like he's the one the crowd is really yeah, popping yeah, yeah, for yeah. tito's got this re- resurgence if you're watching prime time yeah but not if you're watching saturday night's main event right yeah he, tito's gonna get his spot thanks to tom zink we appreciate that tom <laughs> you know but right now tito's he's <laughs> in a holding team <laughs> he's a holding pattern you yeah, know yeah, he's, yeah. he's, he's yeah. doing great better than i thought which i guess is how explains strike force but it's jake that the crowd is <laughs> and I mean, of course, uh, in the early going, uh, you know, the the heels are taunting and jeering, and Jake has always got to, you know, he's a ring clear. Damien and Jake clear that's the ring. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. that's the stick, right? And the crowd loves it. You know, get rid of those bums. And so, um, you know, as far as the entrances and everything, like yeah. Jake's the last guy to come out, and, and uh, you know, have the crowd going mental as uh, you know the other faces are letting Jake and Damien take center stage. And sorry, you said this is not just a six-man tag, but actually an elimination, like a yeah. Survivor Series style And elimination? they make a point that the guy, that they they say specifically, he will then have to go back to the dressing room yeah, area. Okay, yeah, nice. Says Howard Finkel. So they've got to leave. Yeah. No sticking around. Cheating. <laughs> so now give me the, the briefest setup for this. Corey, you said like... I only we, came across a bit of information. I wasn't really too sure of what kind of storyline. I mean, I, I'm just envisioning Bruno and Honky. It's actually kind of funny just to one think month, in my head. Yeah, like because yeah. now we talk about, you know, storylines that exist in, in venues or yeah. standalone. So one so month I earlier... This, I don't know where this match is, but the, the, the match I f- came across and had made note of was July 11th. There's a uh, one of the normal tapings for NESN on in Boston. And one of the untelevised matches is Bruno Sammartino subbing for Jake Roberts against the Honky Tonk Man for like the Intercontinental title. Looks like Bruno wins by count out 
after about 11 or so minutes, after ramming the champion face first into the ring post and then chasing Jimmy Hart around the ring. <laughs> Fair enough. It kind of like colors the start of this match because uh, the first two people in the ring, Honky Tonk wants to start the match for the bad guys. When the good guys finally elect their first representative, it turns out to be Bruno San Martino. And that's when Honky's like, no, 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 he runs out of the, he runs over to Bret Hart and he's like, gotta tag me, gotta tag me, gotta tag me. So uh, he does tag Bret. Brett gets into the ring, and then Bruno does the whole, you know, like the wave you off. Ah, you lousy bum. He doesn't, you know, he wanted honky-tonk, not Brett. Yeah. So he waves off Brett, turns his back, tags in Tito Santana, and the wrestling can actually begin. But we've got like five minutes before there's a wrestling hold on this video <laughs> file. Because, I mean, like I said, they look great in there, you know. Yeah. Like people are throwing garbage. Honky's dancing. Yeah. He thinks they love him. Yeah. He's smiling. He wants to hug, you know. And like the honky-tonk gimmick is great, you know, with the, the giggling, snickering, you know. But, oh, I just, I, I really uh, can't emphasize enough my enthusiasm for all the gold on Jimmy's guys. And, and these they're just, you know. <laughs> These good times in heel town. So lots of fun, lots of shtick, you know, uh, before, of course, you know, Damien and Jake eventually, you know, get those bums and send them on the way. And the music, you yeah. know, the, and so Honky's dancing is just such a good time. So finally, the action begins, and it's Tito versus Bret Hart, two very skilled wrestlers, both very mobile, uh, very similar body types. Yeah. And um, you've got uh, Tito coming from a professional football background, and Bret Hart from uh, the lineage, the dungeon, the studio. Heart legacy in the big family. Anyway, so these two guys put on a uh, scientific exchange. Let me rephrase that. Tito's got that fist clenched. He always <laughs> wants to punch me. <laughs> Something about Jimmy Hart and his gang. You know, gets, he, his, gets his gets him mad. That's right. So uh, he backs Brett into the ropes, and uh, and the referee's got to like get Tito off of Brett because you know Brett's saying like, no, 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 rope break, rope break. And Tito's got his like, I'm gonna punch him. So uh, the t- the referee's not having that. Lectures Tito, who's like, hey, I, I, I wasn't gonna do it. <laughs> <laughs> another collar and elbow Brett backs Tito into the corner and he delivers a couple of punches to the gut why what that double standard what the hell he eventually whips Tito across the ropes Tito takes a big back bump into the turnbuckle and Brett whips in to follow up but Tito gets his knees up uh-huh. so Brett takes uh, you know a double Tito knee into the sternum yes. as he was trying to follow up Brett's always great at crashing into the corner and killing himself he must like have surgically reinforced sternum bones and <laughs> muscles because that's like what he puts through so much uh, torture not only that like you know it it puts him on the mat so he takes another bump and his head bounces off the mat too so so now tito's you know standing over a fallen bret hart some real nasty stomps to like the shoulder as brett's trying to get up they they look pretty savage for a baby face Hmm. and then he uh, grabs brett's arm and starts dragging him over to face town he's like you want some jake and he calls for jake's boot so he grabs brett by the back of the hair and throws him into jake the snake's right knee or boot or something and brett's just like early going and brett's reeling snakeskin boots you got it. Jake tags in, and this is what the crowd wants to see. They want Jake to get revenge on Honky. Of course. Even though, like, Bruno was, like, looking for Honky, this is really about Jake and Honky. And Jake is immediately taunting Honky. He puts an arm bar on Brett, and then he's got a hand free with a wrist. <laughs> you know, he's like, come on, Honky, waving him in. Come on, get in here, get in here. Honky's looking at the crowd, like, <laughs> you know, pretending not to see Jake. He's yeah. got his back turned. Jake versus Brett, that's kind of neat. I Yeah, I don't think I can remember them facing off. Jake has got one eye on heel town why he keeps this wrist lock, keeps Bret Hart under control. And the wrist lock goes to like an arm lock. But uh, Bret's able to push Jake 
into the ropes, goes for a hip toss, but Jake reverses that and sends Brett once more on his butt. And the crowd is just loving Bret Hart's taking all these bumps. Jake's in control. All that greasy hair with a little <laughs> bit of water allows Bret Hart to escape an early DDT attempt. But yeah. the crowd's so hot for it, you know. The uh, well, and as far it. as we we could hit, we could get three DDTs. That's right. Yeah. As far as we know, and and Jake's <laughs> actually going around with the Hogan. He's like got his ear out listening for the DDT. They're so excited. They want to see. These uh, they want to see the champions. It was neat because back in November '86, you know, he was getting the cheers for the DDT, but he wouldn't acknowledge it. You know, right. it was part of his "I'm still a heel." So Bret Hart has uh, taken a powder. He stared death head on. <laughs> that's right. He looked into the abyss, and uh, so he ran to the comfort of Jimmy Hart. Yeah, that's right. Eventually, he makes his way back into the ring, not in a big rush. And he uh, he tags in the powerhouse Jim the Anvil Nod Nighthawk. I don't think it's Lord Alfred on the call. I can't really remember, <laughs> but uh, but I do know that um, we see a familiar spot. Okay. He goes right for the test of strength. What are you doing? Jim Anvil doesn't look as big and strong as King Kong Bundy, but he, you know. Yeah. So we get kind of a similar spot. Anvil forces Jake immediately. Like yeah. this is the shortest test of strength I've ever seen. <laughs> Jake loses it right away. And he's fighting off a pin attempt. So like King Kong Bundy got the knuckles. Now Jake's on his back fighting off a three count from Jim Anvil Nightheart. What, what did they, what, it's, not a, it's not a test. It's what, what did they call the quiz when they just pop mine? Pop quiz. Yeah. <laughs> it's a pop it's quiz. A, a quiz of strength. <laughs> Strength and you failed. Yeah. Strength quiz, you fail. So Jake's, you know, and like he did with the either Kamala or Bundy, yeah. when he's on the back getting pinned, he starts kicking like, yeah. you know, short, swift kick to the ribs. Yeah. So uh, like Nightheart lets go. Yeah. But I'm thinking, why do you always want to have these, yeah, like, you know, he's got, he's got He's got height. He's got leverage. Yeah. You haven't studied. You're not ready for this. You know, this, anyway. Haven't you so, looked at your arms in the mirror? <laughs> yeah. Jake gets back to his feet quickly, puts up his dukes, and, uh, you know, Jim's annoyed that uh, the test of strength ended in these these ungentlemanly kicks. We were having a, a test of strength. <laughs> the two men stalk each other. The crowd's excited, waiting for Jake to get his hands on Honky Tonk. A side headlock actually turns in a go-behind by Jim the Anvil Neidhart, and now he's hugging Jake from behind, yeah. and he's pushing him towards Heel Town. Nice. Oh, that's not good news for Jake. So he's, uh, the big man is able to power over and tag in his partner, Brett the Hitman Hart, but he doesn't let go of Jake. So, nice. uh, Brett gets a couple cheap shots in while uh, Jim takes his time leaving the ring. Brett delivers a standing headbutt. Jake is on the mat from the impact. Now Brett drops a couple of elbows to the back of Jake's head. Right. Then he picks him up by the hair, calls over to his team. He says, Honky, you want him now? <laughs> and Honky's like, come on over. Actually, Honky puts in his boot first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, Jake yeah. eats a boot. And then Honky, the way he tags is first, he's like waving like, it's me, it's me. Like he's hailing a cab in New York City. It's me, it's me, I won't tag. So after the um, Brett rams Jake's uh, head into Honky's boot, Honky's ready to get into the match. Yeah. He's wearing red trunks tonight, Honky Tonk Man, by the way. And with a big flourish, Honky Tonk Man enters the ring and he's calling to the crowd. He starts delivering fists to Jake, who conveniently is being held by Jim the Anvil Neidhart, until the referee says, no, no, that, no, that, and Jim lets go, but it's too late. Honky's already started delivering all these knuckle sandwiches to Jake the Snake. Jake is dazed by the assault. Snap Mare sends him to the mat. A fist drop a la his cousin Jerry Lewis. Lawler. Thank you. <laughs> a pretty lady allows Honky Tonk to do some uh, twisting, and he, he, he's got his one arm up, and he's doing his hip <laughs> he's thing. Doing his, he's doing his LJN pose. <laughs> yeah. He's dancing while Jake is on his butt in front of him. Honky returns 
to the attack. He lines up a big double axe handle, drops to his knees and clubs Jake across his forehead. Jake's reaching for his tag partners, either one of them. But Honky's, nope, he gives him that sort of surfboard, grabs, uh, you know, from behind, grabs each wrist. And now Jake is on his knees and Honky's behind him, kind of stretching those arms and, you know, giving those pecs. Near a foot into his shoulder blades or something. He tries, but Jake struggles to his feet. And for some reason, Jake backs Honky into heel town. He's like, let's go this way. It's like, what? Jake is in the wrong place. In comes Jinnian, the Anvil Nightheart. Jake starts to go for Honky's eyes, but he's not going to have much success where he is. So Jim starts driving shoulders into Jake's gut while Jake right. is, he's got his back into this, this corner. Tags Honky back in right away. Honky comes back in, starts giving Jake a few shots to the face, and they're slowing down. Now Jake tries to cool the boys. <laughs> he grabs the front of Honky's trunks, their tights. Tights. He doesn't actually try to launch him out of the ring. Yeah. He's just like holding on for dear life, you know? <laughs> a la Ronnie Garvin or Wahoo Garvin. It's a dunk bar. They got like yeah. those, ro- you know, the, the electric bulls or whatever. <laughs> got to hold on. Hold on. Jake is trying to rally, trying to get some strength from the fans. Jake gets up to his knees, but he's eating punch after punch from Honky Tonk. While the crowd's trying to get him to, you know, stand up and put a DDT on that greasy, nasty Honky Tonk man. (laughs) Six punches, seven punches. Jake teeters and goes from his knees face down onto the mat. Honky Tonk rolls him over and goes for a pin. A one, a two, and a kick out. Avoiding elimination for Jake Roberts. We don't want him to be our first casualty. No. We want him to put people down. Honky Tonk gives an Irish whip and a he sets himself up for what could this be? Honky Tonk bends over. Jake the Snake is rushing in. Here's our chance maybe for a DDT. But no, instead he decides to give him a boot to the chest. He oh. doesn't doesn't have enough to go for the DDT. So Honky Tonk is stunned, but Jake is, you know, he's beaten up right now, so he's not able to uh, capitalize. That's right. So both men are on the mat. Jake is trying to struggle to his feet. We have the standing 10 count from the referee. Both men are able to toe the line or get back up and continue the fight. Mind you, Jake does need the support of the corner to get on his feet again. Yeah. And Honky Tonk sees this as a chance to uh, run in and give him a little Honky Tonk avalanche or shoulder to the gut. But Jake dodges out of the way, so Honky Tonk eats the post. Crowd goes crazy. Jake senses his opportunity. Gets to his feet. Left. Right. Left. Jake, quick snap punches. Fifth one, sixth one, drops Honky Tonk to his knees, and he's begging, no, please, mercy, mercy. He's on his knees. He's got his hands up. Please don't hurt me. Jake's taunting him, get on your feet. But then he gives him a punch to the jaw and a kick to the stomach while Honky's still on his knees asking for help. Well, like Peggy Sue or Betty Lou. Yeah. Or... He needs that knockout punch from Sherry Martell. That's right. And now... We have the Georgia whip with a twist. Okay, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So he gets Honky on his feet, grabs a wrist, gives him an arm bar, twists that, and then uses that arm bar to pull him in for the short arm clothesline. Retractable leash. <laughs> That's right. Otherwise known as the Georgia whip with a twist. <laughs> a, a finisher, if he was a jobber, but not for Honky. No. So Jake, full face, climbs up onto the bottom rope. Appeals to, appeals to the crowd, does his whole whoopity arm, you know, here we go. I'm going to DDT him now. Goes yeah. back over, picks up Honky. But for some reason, he runs the ropes, which is not traditional DDT stuff. I don't know. <laughs> he wants to gonna... get a running start on it. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Crowd is going crazy. They want that DDT. It was a push-off. So the push-off, Honky could feel. 
Yeah. The end was coming. When Jake hit the ropes, it was because Honky pushed him into the ropes. Right. And then what they get is a standing kind of a double, involuntary double knock knock and knocker. Oh, yeah, big you face know. smash to each other. Yeah. yeah. Uh, where both wrestlers are kind of incapacitated yes. for a bit. Uh, Honky crashes to the mat, but Jake actually falls to the apron and rolls yeah. outside. Oh. So now Jimmy Hart's right over him with the megaphone taunting yeah. him. Yeah, you, know, you big loser, you big dummy, you big Harry. And uh, the ref is watching. So you see Bret Hart right behind him so easily could stomp Jake yeah. from the apron, you know, right, where right. Jake's on the floor. But uh, then Bret backs off. Jake is just looking at Jimmy Hart with these, I'm going to murder you eyes. <laughs> and so he starts to follow Jimmy and he gets his hands on Jimmy. Whoa. And just when you think you are finally going to get to see, see a DDT. <laughs> Jimmy Hart. <laughs> I know, yeah. You would never see him again. <laughs> yeah. But bad news. We don't get any DDTs. What we oh. get is a megaphone to the back a la Honky Tonk Man. Oh, and okay. Jake takes it and he's writhing on the ground. And we've got six wrestlers. And we got the referee missed this. Wasn't he watching this whole thing? He missed the megaphone. Yeah. So there was a distraction allowing Honky Tonk to clobber Jake from behind while Jake's about to get Jimmy. Yes. And this unfortunately leads to Jake's counted out oh, and yeah. eliminated. Because the, the other heels uh, faces come over it's like, hey, come on, Jake, Jake. But he's been foreign object. KO'd. Yes. So, alas, Jake is out without even one DDT. Like, and this just really falls into our narrative of like, when does Jake get his revenge on Honky? He <laughs> like, doesn't. He doesn't. I guess maybe because Jakey would say rehab. Vince McMahon, Pat Patterson, and whoever else is responsible for this. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know how to feel about it because Jake did have some drug and alcohol issues that might have affected his ability to perform. I still think it's about the crowd, though. It's still about the... It's not like Jake didn't keep having matches after this. Like it's yeah. like even after You're Honky right, lost yeah. the title, like when did when did Jake like couldn't Jake beat him up after? <laughs> like, okay, you know you know what it was because I was listening to Honky Tonk today. That's why I'm saying yeah. that. You're right. Uh, like this is the start of his height. Exactly. Popularity. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. But uh, <laughs> so now you got uh, you know the Blue Trunk Boys. Yeah, your legend, one of the top performance performers of the of entire course. history of the business, and Bruno Sammartino, and, well, yeah. and we love Tito. Exactly, that's what you got left. You've got, yeah. you know, champions. That's right. But you also have such a great shot of like the Broken Bones Club band laughing it up, laughing it up hugging each other, no, like we got no. rid of Jake, we got rid of Jake, we just got oh. these two. <laughs> so they're all three of them are in the ring, laughing and hugging, and yeah. you know, and and just celebrating. So what that. do they show? Like Jake collecting up Damien and leaving, or yeah, unfortunately, uh, he's got to go. Like. Yeah. Yeah, it's go. been said over and over again, they must leave, leave the ringside area. That's right. So alas, we don't get, uh, Jake doesn't get his revenge on Honky Tonk tonight. Three segments of primetime. Therefore, two ad breaks and two gaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right, so yeah. you, before ad break number one, Jake's got Damien in the sack and he's heading back. So it looks like there's not even another pop or angle for him uh, in this match. He's right. just like, he's done. And now we, we're just playing like, okay, underdog, you know, three on two. Yeah. Yeah, so the guys, if he was cocky before, now Honky Tonk is really <laughs> cocky, really strutting his stuff. I'm and, cool. I'm super cocky. I'm bad. Yeah, and he's got his fists up and now he's ready to fight Bruno. Yeah. But only... Only if he, Bruno will come to Heel Town. <laughs> He's just like taunting him, taunting him with like Bret Hart right, literally standing two inches on his left and Jim Anvil two inches from his right. And he's like, come on in, come on in here. And and Bruno's just like, why are you stinking coward? Come out of the ring. You know, Honky Tonk won't leave. <laughs> so that goes on for like three minutes where like Bruno gets, you know, three or four feet and he backs away because like the Hart yeah. Foundation's waiting for him. They're all trying to trap him in there. So yeah, yeah. really good. Eventually, Bruno does a, a kind 
kind of a jumping kick to the, you remember his leaping, he would leap and stomp a guy yeah, yeah. in the gut. Picture that. Yeah, but uh, it's too close. Jim Anvil, Jim swarmed. gets him, and they draw him in, and now it's all three guys beating up on Bruno in Heel Town, and Tito takes the bait, and he comes in like, hey, what is all this crap? And it just allows more clobbering of Bruno San Martino. And so you now uh, our legend, our veteran, is uh, struggling to his feet after already taking a beating by all three heels. Jim the Anvil, right. Neidhart, legitimizes this thing. The other guys stay where they're supposed to be, honkies dancing on the side while Jim is booting Bruno in the chest. He picks him up, throws him back into heel town, and then the honky-tonk takes the referee over there and complains about Tito while they wrap the tag rope around Bruno's neck and start choking him. <laughs> and then he disguises it with uh, his arm, you know, yeah. so you can't even see it. So they're just giving Bruno the Hart Foundation versus Bruno San Martino while Honky keeps taunting the ref and, and Tito takes the bait. So nice. just wonderful kicking the crap out of Bruno. He's, he's just a punching bag. Can't get out of the corner. Bret Hart now starts, he's working the boots to the chest and the gut to the, that, you know, he slumps down. Bruno's got his butt on the second turnbuckle. Then he slumps down to the first turnbuckle. More boots. <laughs> Bruno's butt's on the ground. You know, he's just taking almost a, a Jerry Blackwell t- style beat down. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, except for the as bladed. More taunting Tito into the ring so that Honky Tonk can take a turn booting <laughs> poor Bruno's chest. <laughs> and then they tag in the Anvil so he can have a turn. Like, Bruno cannot get out of heel town. Oh, wow. Finally, Anvil decides he's had enough and he throws into a neutral corner. Backs up, comes in for a big shoulder block, and takes a uh, a mini sternum bump. He's, he's, he's no Bret Hart, but it's enough, you know, for Bruno to get over to Tito there for the go. hot tag. All right. So um, Jim the Anvil is uh, on his butt now after that turnbuckle bump, and Tito comes in to show these guys uh, what happens when you triple team a yeah. legend. That's right. Bret Hart enters illegally, what? and he gets a kick for his trouble and a couple of stomps. Honky Tonk decides to come in illegally, <laughs> but the ref actually stops him before he can do it. He just puts his head under, you know, and looks like it's going to be all the whole, all the heels in. But um, yeah, it, it turns out that uh, the ref uh, scares those guys off. So we have Tito uh, takes uh, Bret over to a neutral corner. He's learned something. He's been watching and he starts giving Bret Hart. You know, some of that pent-up rage. That's right. Because the heels have been in control of this match for a while now. An Irish whip leads to Bret Hart reverses Tito. So Tito's now running into the ropes. But we like Tito running into the ropes. (laughs) And he comes and he he launches into the air and goes lateral. But it's a crossbody, not a flying forearm. Right. It results in a two count. But Bret Hart still has the anvil to come in there and drag Tito off. Which draws Bruno into the ring. Which draws Honky into the ring. Now Bruno starts beating up uh, Honky. And he chases Honky out, but the problem is that that leaves Tito in the ring alone with the Hart Foundation. So the heel tag team champions double Irish whip into the ropes. He hits them, comes sailing back, ducks a double clothesline. Uh-huh. And what's really cool here, in a well-rehearsed spot, yeah. the Hart Foundation, then they run the ropes. Yes. You know, they just that's the spot. So the Jim and Brett both, once they've been ducked. Once, 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 once Tito ducks, they start running away from Tito, basically, to run to the opposite ropes. Right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, Bruno grabs one of the Hart Foundation. Yeah. yeah. While Brett's like, huh, now I'm on my own. Yeah. And I, and I mentioned Tito and was then, running. And then B-Brown Blair flies in there to do a, a drop down so we can get a... <laughs> Extra, I was jumping over him and caught it. 
And did I mention that Tito Santana was running? Oh, yeah. So Bret Hart is returning to Tito all yeah, by his lonesome. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. guess what we get? We Flying get it. We sure do for the one and the two. And since there's no title on the line, the three. And Bret Hart <laughs> is pinned and eliminated. And now it's two on two. There we go. Oh, man. And the crowd's super excited. The odds are even. Baby faces celebrate. Catch their breath. Bret Hart can't believe it. He's Covering his eyes is shame, rolls out of the <laughs> ring, and now we uh, are 10 minutes into the match, and if we are deprived of a DDT, we got a beauty of a flying forearm. There you go, yes. Another ad break comes in, so it's a reset. Honky Tonk and Jimmy Hart confer to decide how they will ultimately prevail over against the babyface team here. When we return from commercial, we have Jimmy Hart and Honky Tonk Man plotting their dastardly schemes and how they will ev- ultimately eliminate Tito and Bruno and prevail. Get revenge for Bret Hart, who took that <laughs> nasty flying forearm, a beautiful flying forearm. Uh, Hon- Honky is also very interested in taunting the fans. Inside the ring, Jim the Anvil Neidhart means business. The straps are down. I don't think he <laughs> in- enjoyed those straps very much. He's always yeah. taking... Love to take them off. Yeah. Tito Santana remains in the ring, even though he just got... He you, he could tag in the fresh Bruno, but he elects not to. And, and Jim comes in like, oh, I'll get you. But the funny part in is these two are squaring, circling each other while Honky Tonk starts to taunt the fan. And he does so much jawing that as Tito's circling Jim, he just does a little pivot and gives Honky Tonk a big punch from behind. <laughs> a nice baby face, clean shaven. <laughs> <laughs> Hero move. He hits Honky, but the crowd loves it. Yeah, of course. So Honky climbs into the ring and he wants revenge, <laughs> but the referee shoes him out. He's got his dukes up and he's getting the scolding. <laughs> Tito's shaking that fist, that right hand. It's always it's like he's got, you know, some formula or something. He's got, I don't know. Do you have to shake formula? I sh- medicine. You got to shake up yeah, the medicine. Yeah, 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 the yeah. nasal spray. Jim the end while Nightheart, though, quickly gets in there with a boot to the gut, starts laying out our man with double axe handles across the back. Picks him up and gives him a head smash into Honky Tonk's boot. Honky Tonk Man does get a little revenge. He tags in. He's got lots of energy. He springs into the ring. He points at Bruno, gives him some taunting, and starts laying the right hands into Tito, who's in the wrong part of town. Four, five right hands. Tito tries to get back the momentum. Two, three right hands to the gut, and he's on his knees trying to scoot past Honky. Honky falls down, but he manages to just catch Tito's ankle, so Tito can't get over to Bruno for that hot tag. Jim comes in after Honky reaches up for a tag and dumps Tito on the head for his efforts to uh, tag out. He picks up our hero, gives him a body slam. Now we have a couple of pro football players in there. Jim plants Tito with that body slam. He bounces off the ropes and comes in and drops a big elbow. Except for Tito's not out of it. He rolls out of the way. So this hurts Jim the anvil because he misses a big elbow drop. Tito stands up and now he's got some heat. He starts punching Jim in the face in the head (laughs) and he picks him up for a body slam the bigger man plants him in the middle of the ring and he calls for another flying forearm except for that Jim's on his back so I'm not sure (laughs) you know what how that's gonna work and then next before I know it what the hell Tito's bouncing off the rope I don't know why because he he can't finish him when the other guy's lying down what's the um, Leonardo DiCaprio movie where everything goes silent like (laughs) 
Insurrection, not insurrection, but you know the movie I'm talking about. The I dream, do the dream sequences. Of course, it's yeah. I know. I'm. I, uh, I, you're so close. Inception. Inception. That's it. Yeah, there yeah, you yeah. Go. That's what Tito wants. He's gonna bounce off the ropes, and when he comes back, like the rings go sideways. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> yeah, you know, Jim will be just laying on the mat, but all of a sudden Tito's coming flying at him. <laughs> there you go. That's right. Like, kind of like um, one of those beds that folds up for you. You know, yeah, like yeah, so yeah, you're yeah. sitting up. You don't have to do any. Push a button, and yeah. they're like, oh shit, here he comes. <laughs> so Tito, you know, as he. Um, Lays into the ropes. Yeah. That sneaky weasel Jimmy Hart reaches up, trips his foot. Yeah. And before I fucking know it, one, two, three, Tito is out. So sorry, what else happened after the trip though? Like he just he trips, and I'm thinking, no, no, and no. Like, and I went back. Just goes and lays on. Him? It was yeah, but it was I've never seen anybody sell a face plant like Tito uh, okay, does. Like yeah, Tito yeah. smashes his head through. Right. He's like an ostrich. His head disappears for a second. <laughs> I mean, because I, I was like, you can't do that. You can't tip. Jimmy Hart cannot put a finisher on Tito Santana. Yeah, that's right. But he did. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Uh, well, because, I mean, does Tito really, I mean, he just, he sells it. Like, he bounces into the, I mean, like, also, it's like, it's been a long match. It's an elimination match where yeah. everybody has Gotta less health bar. Yeah, and, right. uh, and Tito, he, he goes down so hard with this trip. Maybe because it's his flying forearm supercharge run. Yeah, that's right. But, um, you know, I, I objected until I went back and was like, oh, ouch. That, okay, yeah, that's a finish. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it was the most deadly. This is the deadliest manager trip of all time. The trip finish. Yeah, no kidding. Because, like, Jim just has to go and lay on him and, and get the pin. And so. He couldn't even drop an elbow or something. <laughs> like <laughs> This leaves poor Bruno San Martino on his own yeah. to face Jimmy Hart's Broken Bones Club Band. And these two are rubbing their hands and cackling and, you know, giggling. And Jimmy's got his megaphone with his high-pitched voice. <laughs> and also, let me just say that Jimmy, he's the man of a thousand weapons. You know, he might have a diffuser, yeah. a guitar, yeah. a megaphone. You Branding know, iron. Jeez. Yeah, no kidding. He's just like the most, if he was like a and d character, he'd be like proficient in the following <laughs> weapons, you know. <laughs> Wow, that's right. I forgot about the branding iron. Anything else? We got. Uh, you have to go back and look at who else he was. Who else he managed? Oh, geez. did he have the mounty? He did have the mounty. Oh, yeah, the, yeah, the, so, yeah. the electrocution the prod. The electrocution prod. Yeah. Exactly. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, we really. It, it occurred to me seeing him wave the the guitar. You know, at one point we we're not far from Bruno's home because Bruno doesn't like to travel. So that's, that's right. about the. Only, we're not in Japan. I know that. <laughs> yeah, Bruno's Pittsburgh. Okay. And it's sort of spiritually New York because Madison Square Garden, like Jimmy Hart's hugging the boys. They're already counting their. Winning they're purse. already yeah, that's right. That's a lot of money, brain. You know, <laughs> you go home with the at the losing the losers purse. That's a big cut to your paycheck, as Gorilla might say. So poor Tito's got to go back to the dressing room, and Bruno escorts him out. The heels are taunting him, pointing at him, pointing to the back. Lots of chirping, lots of jawing. <laughs> Bruno's mostly concerned with his comb over. Yes, He's right. just slicking his hair back over yes. and over again. I was just thinking as we're talking here about like Piper and Orton making fun of Bruno back way back when they were fighting him in Philly, and you know they, what they were making fun of how over the hill he was at that point, and this is even later. So yeah, <laughs> the hair's a little more wispy. <laughs> That's right. So the bad guys rush Bruno while he's in the corner and he's, he's there's no more faces to back up yeah, Bruno. Yeah, yeah. So uh, before the referee can get control, it's a double team oh. on our 
title holder franchise face of the WWF. But it isn't long before he's able to deliver a double noggin knocker. So Honky Tonk goes reeling and stumbling to the center of the ring. Jim the Anvil takes a couple of boots to the gut. Honky Tonk tries to come back and he gets punches for his efforts. More boots to Jim, more punches to Honky Tonk. But eventually the two of them are able to scramble and get a hold of an arm and a leg here and there. And next thing you know, they're both leaning a knee. Jim's got his knee on Bruno's neck and Honky's got his knee on uh, Bruno's gut. And, and the referees, you know, giving them the count because this is a double team. There's still supposed to be rules around here. Gentlemen, we need some decorum. So eventually, uh, Jim does leave the ring, but the damage has been done. The tide has been turned towards our heels. So confident. Honky Tonk is just kicking Bruno, who's stumbling around the ring. Can't get up. Boots to the back of the head as the poor fella takes a knee to the jaw and sort of just like rolling around as if he's like, he's got a, a jacket that's on fire and he's trying to put it out it's just uh the poor he was never that agile <laughs> bruno no okay power so man speaking of the power man jim the anvil comes in and starts laying the right fists to our man bruno a headbutt drops the living legend jim the anvil nightheart stalks him and picks him up by those wispy side handles extra long <laughs> grabs him uh, in a little side headlock and then holds him it's like anvil's hugging bruno but he's got he's holding both of his arms but instead of behind him holding his arms punch him he's in like it's, it's hugging holding his arms like punch yeah, him in yeah, the back yeah. of the head yeah, 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 <laughs> while yeah. i hug him i'll make him hug me and you punch him <laughs> so bruno's <laughs> like ah you know got his arms stuck forward yeah yeah and uh, Jim's leaning into the turnbuckles. So they managed to keep the good guy from getting any kind of momentum. How long can Bruno take this punishment? More punches to the jaw, double axe handles. The poor fellow's on his back. He tags in. Honky tags in Jim. Honky leans his shin on Bruno's throat and choking. No respect for the former champion. One champion to another. How dare you? And uh-oh, now we see Jimmy Hart, the man of a thousand weapons, calls Jim. Says, hey, bring him over here. He gets up on the apron with his megaphone. He says, bring Bruno over here while Honky Tonk is distracting the referee. So could this be it? Is this how Bruno is going to be eliminated with a foreign object smashed into his gallant forehead? <laughs> no, Bruno ducks. Honk. Tonk is still distracting the referee. And <laughs> Jimmy Anvil heats the megaphone. Yeah. And, well, we got a lot of wrestlers to get out, so we're not going to let this opportunity go by. One, two, three. Jimmy Hart's evil ways bite him in his scrawny ass. And Jimmy Anvil <laughs> Nightheart is pinned by Bruno after the illegal interference backfires. Uh-huh. The crowd is screaming because now the odds are even. It's just Honky Tonk and Bruno. And Bruno, after all, wanted to start this match with Honky Tonk. Everybody wanted to start this match with Honky Tonk. And yeah. now... He's got nobody, no heart foundation to, to hide, hide behind. behind. Yeah, exactly. That's right. At this point, you almost think that they're going to send Jimmy Hart to the, rever- the, the dressing room. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And uh, Jimmy can't believe it that he's cost his, his own team when uh, a player. So he's consoling Jim. Bruno's getting his hair in place, catching his breath. <laughs> and the two men square off. Poor Bruno is just fixing his hair when who? Honky Tonk runs in with a, run, a knee and gets <laughs> Bruno's not paying attention. He <laughs> thought I thought there'd be a tie out or something. <laughs> you know, get by. <laughs> yeah. Next thing you know, Bruno uh, is in the corner. Honky Tonk has mounted the second rope and he's delivering those big punches. But people people are not counting along. They are not supporting the Honky Tonk Man as much as he thinks they love him. He's doing some dances, a few Elvis wiggles as he continues to punch Bruno. Not a lot of wrestling moves being applied against our living legend here. A side headlock is some rapid fire punches, you would think, but Bruno decides to go down with the first one. 
Noogie punches. Honky Tonk is taunting him, dropping some knees across the chest. Picks up Bruno San Martino, who pushes him up, and then they run the ropes. And then a little bit of a Funk Brothers kind of crisscross. Yeah. Where um, eventually, you know, Bruno does a right turn, and uh, Honky goes for a back body drop, and Bruno just gives him a knee to the head. Honky falls over, and he gets covered for the one, two, three. Yeah, unsatisfactory finish, uh, but these the crowd had to go pay the babysitter or something, uh, and uh, <laughs> they're just like, let's get out of here, take it home. We went too long, go yeah. home. <laughs> so not not a great finish, just a basic, yeah. you know, a, a back body drop reversal, but in, not even a um, sunset flip, just a, a, yeah. I stop running, knee you in the head, and it's over. So uh, a fun match, except for the finish, was not uh, yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that very end sequence, it just, it just didn't feel like... The, the pacing, the timing of it. They didn't set it up to let the crowd yeah. hop on it or something. I don't know. Well, I would have definitely, I would have had the megaphone should have been the end of the match, you know, and maybe the, the weaker finish second last. Yeah, that's right. You yeah. know, like have Jim go, go down to a, some, a, the weak knee, yeah. if you will, and then Honky Tonk gets hit with the megaphone. You know, anticlimactic, yeah. this, this knee. Anyway, so the idea here, I think, is that they're practicing Survivor Series. Well, that's an interesting thought. I'm can't speak to it, but I know that elimination matches took place in other federations much earlier than the Survivor Series ever did. So they're borrowing from existing matches from, other, you know, NWA and everywhere else, even even the WWF, I'm sure. But I certainly couldn't speak to when elimination matches sort of became a, a thing. It would be neat. There's so many different aspects of wrestling. We had cage matches, um, this elimination match idea, there's different things like that. You can categorize them. It'd be awesome to be able to sort of know a little bit of the history of like, when was the first one? And then like sort of when, when did it change? And 1962, the first elimination match or something. You know? <laughs> like, But I think your point is that how many, and I'm sure there has been, but there probably were fewer six-man tags. It was probably more like tag team elimination or something, like four person. So the more people you keep adding in, Gets to the point. The where closer like, you get to Survivor yeah, Series, yeah, exactly. That is neat. It is cool, and you are right. The WWF definitely had the mindset in the '80s when they started Survivor Series that your health bar was not your health bar. <laughs> you had to share the health among all five wrestlers. <laughs> that was disappointing. You you didn't want to see people take some of the clean pins they did. Pecking. Yeah, it was really clear. So easy. Yeah, yeah. Like, the pecking order became painful at, at times at the, in the Survivor just Series. Just how little it took to pin people at, at times. It's not and, right. Yeah, but at the same time... But you should have seen that face plant. I'm talking. He, you yeah. know, he stuck his head and he was like, oh, look at that, China. Wow, that's yeah, why. Yeah, yeah. Someone should have slid in like a cinder block for his face to land on or something. Yeah. <laughs> the knockout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A steel chair would is not uncommon. That that's would have right, been, yeah. you know, like... Yeah, uh, yeah. Overall, I got to say, I condemn, not condone steel chairs. It seems like they did more harm than good in the overall, you know, like the, seems the like crowd this, loved it, but. seems like this match was like Jake count out or whatever it was, a little disappointing. And then right. Bruno finish, a little disappointing. And then kind of a lot of fun in between. Like, yeah. You know, yeah. obviously the, the Bret Hart flying forearm finish and stuff like that was awesome. And mm-hmm. and uh, the backfire megaphone sounds pretty good. And no, no DDT. Are you kidding me? <laughs> that was the uh, part that was uh, definitely not fair. The That's people right. paid for a DDT and you've got like four candidates here. You know, you can't give us one DDT. Come on. DDT a fan or a ref. <laughs> something. A ref. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Thanks for coming back for another week of fine wrestling from 1987. Next week, 
We're going to close out the summer of 1987 with a bit of a, you know, lost gem in my mind, something that I hadn't seen much of before, and that is a WWF co-promotion, let's call it, with Houston Wrestling, and it's the Paul Bosch Retirement Show. The other Texas. It's a big state. That's right. That's so right. Uh, we're not talking Von Erich territory. This does look pretty interesting. So WWF combines with this kind of, they didn't get a big push in the wrestling magazines, the uh, other Texan Federation. Yeah, not the compared Houston to the Von Erichs. Not compared. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I definitely believe if we went, could just magically know all the articles, I'm sure there was a bunch of articles about matches that happened in their promotion and the different wrestlers. And like I said, I think so many of the people that wrestled for them were just guys who were in other territories too. So it'd be like, oh, hey, we know 60, 70% of these guys already, but. Jeff's right. As far as the promotion itself, when I think of that top 10 list, it's the Houston one. I can't, I can't think much of like, you know, that I saw them or, you know, if I did, it it didn't stick. Well, this should stick. We're going to the Sam Houston arena in Houston, Texas, and Sam Houston is going to wrestle. He's going to open the show. (laughs) That's right. So it's a Houston, we have a problem. That's right. Yeah. We can't remember where we're going. Houston, (laughs) we don't know where we are. So yeah, next week we're going to have fun with that show and anything else, some other details we might have missed. I think we skipped over a couple of things. I'm going to recheck my notes, make sure we didn't miss anything from the summer because there's, you know, if we miss something really important, we'll find a way to squish it in, but we'll, we'll check out this card. It's not super long. I think it's about an hour and 45 minutes long, the file. I'm not sure if it actually even has all the matches that were on that night, but we'll dig in as deep as we can. And then from there, we'll be heading on into the fall of 87 and covering a bit of September. And of course, the October Saturday Night's Main event number 12. Ah, and one thing I did clarify, it is now the Chinese New Year, the Wood Dragon. And I found out the other elements that the Eastern Zodiac recognizes, metal, <laughs> water, fire, and earth. So you could be a... Whatever you are, if you're a, a tiger or a horse, a monkey or a rat, yep. you know, you could be one of those five elements. So it's the year of the wood dragon. Interesting. And uh, so no air, but, uh, but right. yeah, there you go. So I did my homework. So some of you will remember from our Christmas timed episodes that my son attacked Jeff <laughs> with a, a punch of a, you know, of a stuffed animal, <laughs> stuffed That's animal, right. heavy lev- level of, you know, toughness. Well, punch. I mean, I did, I slapped the yogurt out of his hand That's and left right. him crying, <laughs> no, bawling. <you> didn't. <laughs> well, recently he figured out a way to, to attack in a way that is much more <laughs> totally by accident. So he jumps on me all the time. It's not a big deal. It's no problem. So recently he was running up to jump on me on the couch, but instead of like diving on me like he normally does, he jumped, and I didn't know he was coming. He jumped straight in the air and then came down double knee on the side of my leg. Like, I, I, it was one of the more painful things I've ever felt. I was like, oh my God, like, you know, 42 pounds in one spot, just bang. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I haven't checked out the bruise yet. I can feel it on my leg, sort oh, of boy. upper thigh and hip. And I'm like, okay, his, his punches don't pack a wallop, but his, uh, his diving knee. <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> it was a finisher. <laughs> I wow. Was, I was ready to tap out. <laughs> you no kidding. It's a teachable moment. Ah! Yeah, yeah. Well, he got all upset. He was he was upset at him. Like he got scared because he you know because I was I was actually showing pain. Like you know yeah. Like, you know because I just didn't expect it. And I was like I was like how the hell did that hurt so much? But you know right. think about it because when he lands on me normally it's flat all the whole body. His weight distributed. Sure. You know. Yeah. Oh, well, that's right. Well, now we're finally, finally the kid shows some talent. That's right. <laughs> Just How to kidding. beat up no, dad. He's, he's, he's as smart as well. So he's going to be um, smart and lethal. That's right. <laughs> Math crunching, knee dropping, ruler of the world. That's right. 
And I think we, just to wrap it up as we're heading out, because we're in that era of, you know, Jesse Ventura doing Predator. And by the time this airs, this will be kind of old news. But hey, a guy who kind of feels like adjacent to wrestling and could have been a wrestler, Carl Weathers passed away. Oh, well, he was kind of representing Muhammad Ali in the Rocky movie. There was right, you yeah. know, an actual boxing story where this guy went the distance with Muhammad, Muhammad Ali. Yeah. And then uh, Stallone was like, wow, what an inspiring story. Exactly, yeah. Eventually gave the guy a few bucks after he humbly said, hey, that's my life story you told there. That's right, yeah. But yeah, another interesting thing about Muhammad Ali was that Cassius Clay was a historical figure in the wild old American days where politicians might be armed and attacking each other. Wow. And Cassius Clay was stridently anti-slavery. Right. And so he had duels. These are back in the days of duels, you know, when politicians yeah. <laughs> would like say, let's settle this by, you know, somebody's going to die. Okay. <laughs> so if you, uh, there's some crazy story about a guy who uh, basically almost, at, uh, it sounds like at a rally, this guy pulled out his pistol, was just going to blow him away, Cassius Clay, because he was up there, you know, saying, you slave owners, you know, and ra- railing and some slave owner was like, uh, or no, bounty hunter, assassin. But his pistol misfires. So Cassius Clay's like, aha, pulls out a Bowie knife and goes after this guy. And I mean, it was, you know, Madison Square Garden cage match. Like, you know, <laughs> apparently he cut off this guy's nose. Because the guy, oh it was a failed assassination. Yeah, attempt. yeah, so yeah. If you look up Cassius Clay, he was a politician who was a brawler, a wow. fighter, who carried a knife and a, you know, and a gun. He, had, he would take his dueling pistols. He would... He would travel with dueling pistols, right? So that you know, if there was a, a, a scrap, you, you word, give one to somebody. In the, yeah, and then let's like, do it. Let's settle this. And and so anyway, Cassius K, Muhammad Ali, uh, Carl uh, Apollo Creed, Carl yeah. Weathers. Yes, uh, he was man. What a physique Carl Weathers looked oh, yeah. like. A million bucks oh, in those yeah. movies. Yeah. So yeah, I loved him in Happy Gilmore. There's the comedy side of it down the road, but like the action stuff, Predator was awesome. He was so great in the Rocky movies. I loved, you know, I saw a clip of Sylvester Stallone talking about the casting for Carl Weathers because they they were really having trouble finding somebody to, to do the spot. So, and he's, Stallone's in the room reading with these actors and they're coming and going and nobody's getting it. Nobody's got the swagger. Nobody's standing out. And Carl Weathers is actually in the NFL at this point. He's still an actual active football player. And he shows up at like 10 at night He's been asked by some agent or whatever to come in, and he's a, he's pretty disrespectful when he comes in. But like Stallone said, that kind of like immediately drew him to him. He was like right away, he's like, okay, this guy's a real athlete. And then they get partway through the lines, and Carl Weathers doesn't know who Stressor Stallone is, yeah. and he's like, he's like, I could do this better if you get, you got to get it. You know, who's this Joker? I need a real actor. <laughs> 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 and then Stallone says, and he's like, and I hired him. Because <laughs> he said awesome. when, he, when he took his shirt off, he was like, Stallone's like, oh boy. Because he was like, he was kind of soft. At the, you know, he didn't have his physique at all at that point. Stallone was like kind of like a right. normal guy. You yeah. know? Like, and he was like, oh my God, this guy That's looks right. like. right. Rocky looked a lot different from the yeah, posters yeah, yeah. and the movies, and, right? And, and, and at this point, like, think, you know, he doesn't even look like what he looks like at Rocky. He looks softer than that because he right. hasn't really started the real working out. So it's, it was a great story of just how intimidated he was by this guy. And he was like, this is, this is, this is the guy that can bring what I need to this character. <laughs> yeah. Well, they should have brought some of that drama to the Iron Claw. They, they could have given us some of that excitement yeah. of uh, sports drama. Yeah. But they stuck to more drama, drama. Drama, drama, yeah. Yeah, and they never gave us that. I mean, and I mean, I love Rocky. What a great movie. I mean, it's, it's got all that romance. Let's not yeah. forget. Yeah. And uh, of course, you know, and, and he loses 
the fight, but he's still, you know, if you haven't seen Rocky, oh my God, you're yeah. probably not listening to this program because right. <laughs> <laughs> other fellows over 50 enjoying our show. But a little teaser for next week. We have another fan letter, so tune in. Yeah. We will read that yeah, for late, you. Late arrivals. Couldn't, couldn't squeeze it into this one, but we'll, uh, we'll get it on next time. Yes, we sure will. <laughs> That's a promise. And, I, you know, I was sitting there as Jeff was going back to that uh, Bowie knife story with the politician. You can't see it because it's an audio podcast, but my eyes bugged out of my head. And the reason I kind of bring that up is because Google Podcast is actually phasing itself out. So in the next, uh, I think by spring, if you listen to shows on Google, you're not going to be able to listen to them anymore, the app or whatever. They're, they're shutting it down. They didn't really say why. But then they prompt you to set up something on YouTube, which I did. So Legendary Wrestling obsession the feed the rss feed the audio feed is on youtube but that's not exactly the greatest platform for us because if you're going to listen to us you don't really need to be on a youtube page to do so because you're literally just looking at our logo so but if that somehow is more interesting to you you can check us out on youtube now what are you talking about this is the perfect opportunity to put my handsome face on there that's right. we're gonna draw more viewers than we've ever we're you can start quit your job <laughs> Call the wife. <laughs> Buy a boat. This is it. This We're hitting the big time. Hitting the big time. My million dollar smile. <laughs> so, have a good look at handsome Jeff Hughes at the YouTube audio feed of Legendary Wrestling <laughs> Obsession. I knew it. I was just waiting for this. Now, we're, you thought we were we're going to have so many viewer letters. We were, I'll have paper cuts. I will, I'll be running dry. <laughs> Sahara Desert in my mouth trying to keep up with all these fan letters. <laughs> all right, people. We'll see you next week for the Paul Bosch Retirement WWF Show. Take care.